Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Cinematic Universe, the podcast that does for its listeners what Thanos can do with a click of his fingers. I'm Joe Cunningham, and joining me to help make sense of Infinity War are... Sir Patrick. And James Hunt. Um, So it's going to be a little bit different this week, listeners. Uh, You'll know that on our main episodes we have news and then go into the discussion of the movie. When it's a new movie, we normally go spoiler-free discussion and then spoiler-filled discussion. Um... We don't know what we could say about this movie that wouldn't be a spoiler. So this is all, this is all spoilers, everything. So if like, if you're hearing this and thinking, oh, I don't want any spoilers. I still haven't seen the movie. I would say if you don't want any spoilers, go and read my Den of Geek review because I spent (laughs) a lot of time making sure there was not a single thing that approached a spoiler in that. I received praise from many people saying that they enjoyed reading it without getting spoiled. Okay. But that's not what you're going to get here. (laughs) Here you are going to get wall-to-wall spoilers. So yeah, if you need to leave, leave now. But hopefully everyone will have already seen when we've posted this, probably in the description and on social media, everywhere that we've put it, it will be clear that here are spoilers. Um, So yeah, we are going to discuss Joe and Anthony Russo's 2018 movie, Avengers Infinity War. But before that, I'm going to ask Seven James to explain to me something that at the end of Infinity War, <laughs> I just don't understand. Um, do you think Happy Hogan's still alive, you guys? <laughs> well, there's a 50-50 chance. <laughs> I think 50% of him is alive. <laughs> what about... What just about the legs. Darcy. Do you think Darcy's still alive? Darcy is definitely alive. Darcy's alive, but Jane has disappeared. Jane's Jane's gone. Um, what about Christine Everhart from Iron Man Two and from Iron Man, <laughs> Iron Man Two? Do you think she's still going? Yeah, obviously. Yeah. 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 L- Lady Sif. No, stuck in TV land. It doesn't doesn't affect them there. She's yeah, gone. all the agents of Shield have gone. That would they they went ages ago. What about uh, Batroc the Leaper? Is he? Oh, Batroc's still alive. Yes, he's still alive. 
Um, Although this is this this is a double edged sword uh, because of my theory that let's not get into it now. Let's get into it later. But I, don't, I have a theory. I, I think your theory uh, is it everyone's is, theory. Yeah, is everyone's theory. Yeah. <laughs> um, Except there's one thing that makes it, I think, not the case. But otherwise, yeah. <laughs> let's uh, just just because I'm I'm still a bit. What what about Principal Marita from the Spider Man? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think I think I think Martin Starr's teacher character is still around, but but Principal, Principal Marita Marita probably gone. Yeah. yeah. Howard, Howard the Duck definitely gone. Definitely gone. Yeah. Uh, Dave and Kurt. Who? Uh, oh, I know who these are. <laughs> Hang on. Dave is Dave the Apple Store guy. No, Apple no. Store, he's on my list though. Apple Store uh, employee. <laughs> Kurt's the guy from the 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 cameraman guy, Van guy in Iron Man Three. No, Dave, Dave, oh. and, Dave and Kurt are Luis's friends in. Uh, oh, in of course they are. Yeah, yeah. I Dave's think, gone, but Kurt's still around. Yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> Harley from Iron Man Three, the little definitely one hundred percent gone. Like he was the first. <laughs> um, he's actually the reason Thanos did this. <laughs> Samuel Stearns. No, he's still waiting for a sequel. Okay, uh, Corpsman Day. <laughs> oh, he died. He's he's not even disappeared. He died on Xander horribly with his family. Yeah, yeah. probably. Um, uh, well, actually, uh, not far away. What about the one-legged prisoner? <laughs> <laughs> he lost his other leg, but the rest of him stayed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Richard. Richard, played by Chris O'Dowd, he went on, he went on, a, <laughs> he went on a date with Jane Foster. Not, he's so gone, he was retroactively removed from Thor 2. Yeah. Uh, Nicodemus West. <laughs> <laughs> these, these are some deep cuts, Joe. Yeah, I just spent... A Joe spent watch. a lot of time on the MCU <laughs> wiki today. <laughs> I, spent, I spent 40 and a half hours watching these movies last week. <laughs> oh yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> Who is um, Nicodemus West, Joe? He's the he's Michael Stuhlberg's doctor from Doctor Strange. Right, right. Yeah, Nic- Nicodemus. Nic- Nicodemus and pliers. Yeah. Is he still alive? <laughs> uh, let's say yes. Uh, I've, I've just a few more. Uh, the Tinkerer. This is this is such a great listen, guys. This is, <laughs> this is quality material. <laughs> I just thought we should start light because we've not got much <laughs> much light left to come. The Tinkerer. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Um, Elon Musk. <laughs> I really hope he's disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> he famously, of course, plays himself in uh, Iron Man 2, as, do, as does Bill O'Reilly, who is definitely gone. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, who should Aunt we May? end? Yeah, and I, I, well, I think she's got to be around just, just to keep some of the family going. Uh, and, and finally, Ian Boothby. He's gone. He never existed. <laughs> Does everyone remember who Ian is? He's he's the intern, isn't he? He's the intern yeah. from <laughs> from Thor Two. Oh, Darcy will be devastated. She'll get I'll, over it. It's all right. I'll I'll take care of her. Yeah, but um, James, you you've disappeared as well, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to do that because um, as we as we left the cinema. After our midnight screening of Avengers Infinity War on Wednesday, I was turning to Reese and trying to think of increasingly obscure characters to ask him whether he thought they were still alive. And I was like, this is a bit I'm going to commit to. Okay. You had to bring it along for us as well. I did. I've got some more. I didn't actually exhaust the list. I'll, <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes throughout the podcast. 
uh, Leonard from The Incredible Hulk. <laughs> That's Ty Burrell's character. He's dead. Okay, <laughs> uh, let's move into our discussion of Avengers Infinity War. Um, let's do... Let, let's dive straight in with kind of like top-line thoughts. Um, did the movie satisfy for you guys? Where does it sit kind of in your Marvel pantheon and... Um, did it break you emotionally as it seems to have done <laughs> I, for most of Twitter? I feel unqualified to rank this movie with all the others just because watching it the first time is such a traumatic experience that all <laughs> I could think was like, how do I stop myself from being completely shattered by this movie? This is so weird that you're the one who thinks that <laughs> out of out of us. <laughs> I see, by the end of the film, I was literally screaming at the at the cinema. The 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 ending of the movie does isn't what like emotionally breaks me. I just think it is a it's a really oppressive experience to watch because from the very first scene, Thanos yeah. is established as someone not to be fucked with, and it never really lets up. No one ever really feels safe. It it. Even when there are, you know, your light Marvel moments going on, it still feels really heavy. Um, and a, a big part of that is Alan Silvestri's score, which is maybe uh, the MVP the, of this movie. The Thanos score. Like, I'm not normally the a Thanos, score Oh, the Thanos theme is... Like, with the... I, I'm not sure if they're cellos or, like, bass violins or something, but whatever <sighs> they are, those stringed instruments stirred they something are. deep within me. Plucked on your heartstrings, James. It sounds. <laughs> um, so yeah, Seb, do I get from that that emotionally it didn't affect you the way it has done for some people? Yeah, and I don't know why because I'm usually the one who gets the most emotional about these. <laughs> like, I, you know, I'm I'm the one who cried at the end of Guardians Two, which you guys hate. Um, <laughs> I always I, cried, but this just. I to be honest, I think what it is. Well, there's no, there, there's two factors that go into this, and we'll we'll get straight into this. We, we, this will bring us straight to discussing the ending. But what you say about the the relentless kind of threat and tension throughout the film, it is it is a, such a tense experience. And I think really, it's yeah, it's the fact that um, the uh, the opening just says we are really not screwing around, and all those times when you thought we were going to kill people off and then we didn't. Actually, we are. Also, we are turning the lightest, frothiest, most upbeat of the recent movies into a massive downer by completely <laughs> undoing its ending. Um, so, you know, you you get from that point that it's not messing around. And there was a point, and it's it's the fight, uh, it's, it's the vision and wonder stuff in Scotland where I genuinely just felt all over, I literally have absolutely no idea what is going to happen throughout the rest of this film i just i just you know i i've got guesses about thing individual things that might happen but i really do not know what is going to happen and that's that's the feeling that i had throughout the day on you know and i was talking on twitter about how just how tense and how worked up i got in the build-up to the film and i think i actually went too far in terms of expecting a kind of emotional ringer that I was never really put through because while there was this sense of anything can happen, 
there was never as much of a sense that a handful of specific characters that I really, really cared about were in were under as much threat as it seemed they might. Like, I don't know about you, I think it becomes apparent relatively early on from the quite small role that he plays in the film that Captain America is not getting killed off in this film because he's just not in it enough for that to matter. So there's that. And then I think I think with the ending, I just I see what it was trying to do and what it was trying to make us feel, but I think it it stretched the believability of any of this lasting too much. Uh, I basically uh, think I have to like <laughs> I yeah. have to jump in at this point because I I've seen this argument a lot, which is like people going, Oh, you know, they're all gonna be back. Well, yeah, of course they're gonna be back, but what matters is that the characters don't know that. Like, yeah, but I th- I just think when, it was happening know, when... too fast and and too often. Like they do the Spider Man bit, <coughs> but that comes after you've seen so many of them disappear. And it's like I think it's when when Peter Quill disappears is the moment that really does it because it's like they almost kind of play that one for laughs, and it's like okay, you know, this is temporary. And I know it's all temporary. I know it's suspension of disbelief. And it's like, you know, anyone who dies, who supposedly dies in these films could come back because they're comic book movies. It's comic book death. And you're absolutely right. It's about how Um, you react to it in the moment that it's happening. But other than Spider-Man, I don't think this film... I don't know. I don't know why it didn't affect me because I'm usually the one who it really would affect. So right. much. I, I feel I feel a responsibility here to butt in just before all of our listeners abandon us. <laughs> um, so I I understand what you're saying, and I understand the people who say that. Oh well, you know how how much how much can that ending be affecting if we if we know that most of those characters are coming back. I agree with James. Yes, absolutely. We do know those characters are coming back. Uh, coming back. Black Panther's coming back. The Guardians, uh, at least the, the majority of that team is coming back. Uh, Spider-Man's coming back because they've all got movies. Um, but when, when I watched the end of that movie and it became apparent who was disappearing and who wasn't, mm. <laughs> I suddenly went. That's oh, what's happened. Yes, I no, thought this so, is what I was talking about. So, yes, so I thought here's, that afterwards. Yeah. Here's who's not safe. <laughs> everyone who's still alive. Yeah, like that. Um, I think there are probably deaths in this movie that will stick. I am certain that Loki and Heimdall's deaths will stick. Yeah, and I, I think I Gamora as well. Fa- I'm, fa- I'm fairly sure Gamora's and Visions will stick because the only way that I think, yeah, Gamora's I think Gamora's might Gamora's not. Won't. Is because of the Thanos connection. Well, and I, it, when when yeah. Thanos uses the gauntlet and he goes to visit Gamora, I'm pretty sure that's Gamora's actual soul in the Soul Stone. Mm. So I think oh, she's okay. coming back. I'm not sure about Vision. Loki, I don't think Vision is coming back. Sticking. Mm. Yeah. Um, can I? But can I? Okay. So firstly, just on the theory, which is obviously, yeah, this is hanging in the air, and this is what obviously I'm not the only person who thinks this. Those who are left alive are the ones who are going to be sacrificed in order. Well, to... Well, I'm not. I'm not saying they're all going to die. Well, it's not going to be all those... of them because one of them's Rocket, and also uh, <laughs> Mbaku's in there as well, and it's like, but but Steve and Tony and Thor. And <laughs> Rhodey yeah, definitely. It's yeah, pretty much. They're it's not pretty much safe. the original. It's the old guard. It's yeah, the old guard the with a couple of others. Plus yeah. their sidekicks, right? And yeah. Rocket and, and Baku. Yeah. Um, can I just though, like, just to swing back a little bit, just to add a bit of a caveat about the whole emotion thing. Before I get accused of being James, and everyone decides that they hate <laughs> me instead of hating James, as as per usual. Finally, since last night, and I think part of it 
part of the way I came out feeling almost slightly deflated uh, was kind of shell shock, I think was part of it. Yeah. But since I've thought about things more, I've realised that there was stuff in this film that did give me strong emotional reactions because I've been thinking about them since. And it's not the, oh my God, these people are dead moments. It's moments amid all of the kind of everything being hopeless going on the little moments of hope in this film when various people turn up and do things at various points. One particular one involving the character who, again, don't want to kind of get into it too much now, but the character who I think is by far the standout character in the film, um, but but also Steve Rogers turning up at the train station mm-hmm. and uh, the uh, the Scarlet Witch bit with that line um, that I've seen other people talk about in an unspoily way that I think brings the house down, which is the, uh, <laughs> why wasn't she here from the start? Mm. Um, you know, the, it's the, the moments of proper heroism that kind of shine through all of the badness. And thinking about those moments and thinking especially, and yeah, what the hell, let's, let's do it now, Thor turning up in Wakanda. Um, <laughs> I think of that moment, and every time I've thought, of that moment in the last 24 hours i've just had this kind of surge of of feeling and well, that's the what is, the film has has done i think the movie is the the final five minutes of black adder goes forth isn't it it's like <laughs> it's is, it is just it is Everyone a going over the top yeah it's it's a it's a battle that from very early on seems doomed and i think that's why there is the the impending like the the, the just the the weight that's on your chest the entire way through the movie, because you kind of know where it's going, unless the movie is going to pull off a giant twist. Mm. But funnily yeah, you, enough, you know I mean, they're going to lose because it's part one. Yeah, but also, <laughs> I was going to say, as soon as they announced it was part one, like God knows how long ago, I think I and probably many others went, "Oh, but well, that's going to end with them losing." And I and, and I we... think they realised that was a mistake when they decided to change it. And I think if they could, if they had a time stone, if they could go back <laughs> yeah, and change it, they would it, not be announcing it part one. Yeah, they would. They would. I don't think they even would have announced that they were shooting two back to back. I think they would have announced initially only this movie mm-hmm. and got as close to this movie as possible before putting it out, and then going. Actually, we've got part two to follow. Now. I know release dates and announcement of release dates. You kind of have by now. People would have to know there was another one next year. But I feel like there would have been less of a. This is two parts of a story. Having, I really think that changing the title was them backtracking having on, said on a that, bad though, decision. Guys, I think we we like when when we were first talking about what what this movie and what these two movies could be structurally. This is what we guessed. But such as the Marvel hype machine and such is the like the little teases of this and little teases of that and like this movie's coming out then and then this movie and and uh, this movie's coming after uh after phase three when we actually got down into the nitty-gritty and the discussion of it i don't think we all were expecting going in this would be the ending maybe this would be a version of the ending but I don't, I don't think I don't think there was any sense of foregone conclusion. I just think as the movie progresses, you become more and more certain that it is going to end on a massive downer or that the or that this battle can't be won. But what I think is absolutely fucking genius in this is that even if during this movie you know where the, you know where it's going, you come out of the movie going, well I can have a guess at what the next movie is, but I don't I don't know, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know how they 
I don't know. I, I think they're going to undo it, but I don't know mm. how. I don't know what the structure of the next movie <laughs> yeah. is. You don't I know mean, how like... much of the movie is only going to be those people who were left, mm-hmm. or if we're going to see the others. For we don't much even or know any of it. We don't even know whether those characters who have been wiped from existence have been wiped from that moment of existence, or, or, are or we, from are we gonna... memory and history. From yeah. memory and history, yeah. Are we? Are we going to see? We we know that we're going to see like versions of past move. Like I think we know that they filmed a, a, a version of the battle of new york um or like a sh- like sections of it i didn't for, know that for but there you well. go. i was gonna say i, d- I <laughs> oh, don't well. know if we should have talked about that on the podcast okay well that, that's Except i mean that's those probably don't count uh, well anyway so that we we know that they're going to be playing around with infinity stony stuff in the next movie but that could be well we any, to be fair be we don't any even number know of that. things all no. we know is there's a scene set in the past and and we well and so the other thing is we know that Thanos has the gauntlet or we know that he has the stones but the gauntlet looks in a pretty bad way at the end of the movie I was going to say yeah. like we don't even know if the stones still work yeah yeah um so i uh, that's what i think is one of the one of the great things <laughs> I... that this movie pulls off is that yeah he, here is an ending that you could have seen coming but also doesn't give you any clearer idea of what the next <laughs> yeah, movie of how will they be. Get, well, there is, you know, there is some indication of how they're going to get out of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a very minor indication. Like I assume you both picked up on it. Is this the Doctor Strange thing? Yeah. So yeah, Doctor Strange says I have seen every all the millions of outcomes, but there's, there's only, only one, one way in we, which we win. And then he willingly gives away the time stone. Yeah, so he's and then he apologises to Tony and says it was the only way. Yeah. Yes, but but that doesn't tell us how. That only tells us that Doctor no. Strange well, that, has, that tells has us that this is part of a wider plan for victory, even though it feels like a terrifying yeah. loss at this point. Yeah. I do. Um, I do want to point out actually. My the thing that got me about the structure of the film is that even though, like, I knew. I felt like I knew pretty pretty early on, okay, Thanos is going to get the stones and he is going to achieve his, you know, achieve his goal of wiping out half of existence. The thing that I didn't expect is that I would almost start to root for him in doing that. Because, <laughs> like... He's such a compelling character. I mean, we, yeah, yeah if, the we, if we talk so about Killmonger and, and, the, the and then this... <laughs> yeah, and, like, he's so charismatic as a villain... And like it's the it's the parts where he's pursuing his goal, even though it's like hurting him to do so. Mm. And like he's being noble in his own way, and I really sort of connected with that idea. The the only I feel like, and maybe this is just you know a consequence of of how they had to do Thanos earlier on, um, because up to this point, there's always been this thing of Thanos has this kind of unceasing cruelty and especially when he talks about when when people talk when like people like Gamora and Nebula talk about how they were raised by him or you you know you look at um uh Ronan and, and the kind of the way Ronan is and the fact that Ronan is essentially like a, a disciple of him and you even look at how he was presented in that Avengers cameo and in that bit in Guardians of the Galaxy I also think it's funny if you look at how people kind of mocked what he looked like and how he was portrayed in that brief bit in Guardians of the Galaxy and compare it with now when like every element from the way he's written to the way that he's performed to the way that he's animated even like is just perfect um but it's just i I just think 
the Thanos in this movie is far more complex than than the previous films had given him any credit for. And it's like I, I find it slightly difficult to reconcile <laughs> the he has a certain nobility about him with yeah, but he's a really kind of cruel, evil bastard, which is how he was kind of presented to us. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, we, we, we if he's the guy who that. kills in, like fifty percent of everyone on a planet systematically, you can understand why people might be like, yeah, he's not a great guy. No, and but the also, point is there are there are examples of like little individual cruelties, not the you know. The way the way that he's presented in this film is he doesn't really want to kill people and he doesn't want to get his hands dirty, um, just killing for the fun of it kind of thing. Um, but that's not really the impression we've no, got I get, about I, him I previously. Just, I get the it's the it's a character who is willing to do what needs to be done to achieve what he wants, and you I think you see that with Gamora and Nebula in that Gamora is someone that he has clearly always had affection for and has treated differently. But Nebula is Nebula is someone who, even though she's his adopted daughter in much the way that uh, Gamora is, he just tortures her to get what he wants. And mm-hmm. he has always done that. And I, I and I I know what you mean, Seb. I, I it does feel like a slight disconnect, but I think the movie sells the character just about to the right point that I that I'd buy it. And I mean, I think, don't get me wrong, I'd rather have him be like this than, than be one-dimensional like well, and, previously. And so, just look how, he, look how he kind of shrugs off the death of like Ebony Moore, for example. And he's just like, huh, okay, fine. That's happened, but I've still got the stone here, so... Well, because well, that's the other so thing, is fine. that actually like, like Ebony Moore is an absolute shit. Um, yeah. And kind of all of the, the children of Thanos are, are actually nastier than he is and it is almost this thing of they're the ones who'll get their hands dirty doing it because they are actually unpleasant and actually they're they're nastier than he is even though his goal his overall goal is far worse than anything they could do individually i feel like i feel like you guys are seb i feel like you've fallen under thanos's spell he's not he's not he's not a good guy he's just got good pr he just puts he just puts on like he just puts on a more like sympathetic face oh i feel so the evil shit i do i do isn't as evil no he does, he's a, he's a bad man he wipes out half of the Bloody in universe, not even. But the he human did it race, to the save universe. the other half. <laughs> uh, I did see yeah. someone say, "If he was really serious, why didn't he just magic up twice as much food for everyone?" I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, fair point." <laughs> that is a good point. <laughs> no, but I, think, uh, but that's I, think, I yeah. think that's what's good about him. There's there's enough in terms of all that stuff to humanize him and to make his goal. Identify you. You understand. You understand. You you get why he wants to do what he wants to do, but he's also enough of an evil shit that you understand why he's the villain. It's it wasn't quite for me like Killmonger at the end of Black Panther, where I was like, <laughs> oh, if we could just sit down and have a chat, you would actually be great to <laughs> yeah. keep around. Whereas yeah. this guy, I'm like, oh no, he need, he needs to die. <laughs> he really needs to die. And I that's see his it. point, but he needs to die. Yeah. The mad the mad Titan stuff is. Is in there as well because it's like mm-hmm. yes he has a point but he's insane that he thinks that that point is <laughs> is worth pursuing yeah 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 um and Josh Brolin's performance I mean it is it's so well pitched because it is it is considered and it's tender and it's not what you would expect from a performance of Thanos um, what I find interesting is that there's that 
moment from the trailer that isn't in the film. The bit where he says, like, about fighting being fun. Yeah, when he says, like, you know, I don't usually enjoy it, but, like, this puts a smile on my face when he's Mm -hmm. beating the shit out of Tony. And that's actually not in. And you wonder if that's a sort of... They pulled back to really kind of give him the... I have the, a grim purpose yeah, and I'm not ambiguity. happy about it kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I mean, it wasn't in there. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is, it is one of the best non Andy circus mocap performances <laughs> I think I've ever seen. <laughs> um, I'd like to uh, pull back from this specific discussion of Thanos slightly, uh, because I think there's a reason why Thanos comes out of this movie being the thing that everyone goes wow he's amazing he's he's great he's why the movie works i think thanos is why the movie works because he's the only part of it that feels like a movie and i and i find i've been i've been <laughs> grappling with how to explain this but i walked out of i walked out of this film thinking that didn't feel like a film it didn't feel like um a Marvel film, it didn't feel it didn't feel like any of the others. It felt like its own thing. And that's because this there there isn't really a story. There isn't really Well no, 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 it doesn't it's, really have I disagree. Because I, well, I, I thought this, right? This like the only arc in the film is Thanos's. Like, yeah, it's this Thanos, movie yes. is Thanos's story. Yes. yes. And everyone yeah. else is a supporting character in it. Yes. Once you realise that that's the structure of the film, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, no, exactly. But I, I still think that even even the way that the movie is structured around that, there is that going on. But there are also vast swathes of the movie because of the amount of characters you need to you need to uh, feature that that Thanos just isn't on screen or he isn't around, and it's just so jam packed with incident. It, we talked about would there be character arcs in this movie. There's one. And it's it's a very... It's the villains. Yeah, it's the villains. And it's a very slight arc because he doesn't really change. But we watch him we watch him go from being far away from achieving his goals to achieving his goals. And that's sm- that, that yeah, kind of like... Yeah, he does change because he has a nice sit down at the end and he's like, yeah. ah, fine. And he gets and he, and he gets some new bling. Yeah. Um, but that and that, that kind of calm smile that he has on his face right at the end is... That that for me is the moment that sells all mm-hmm. of the disappearing stuff in the in in the final act. Well, That's okay, the... just what, while we're talking about like the weird structure of the film, the the thing that really I recognise in it was like. Oh, this is structured exactly like an event comic series. That's well, and yeah. that's exactly what I thought. It, it felt, it felt to me. But sometimes I've been frustrated read, reading. Yeah, those well, some, when I've like come sometimes them. that's a bad thing. If they but pitch it right, it's a good thing in that it's just a sequence of cool moments and yes. nice character. And this this beats. will, I'm I'm sure James, you will have a a Marvel comparison somewhere to make like a Marvel <laughs> event that this feels like a specific one. For me, it's Crisis on Infinite Earths, which again it doesn't really have a a structure to the story. It's just twelve issues of a load of crazy shit happens and it throws in so many characters but what it also is is just a relentless like it's it's something you have to buy into and if you don't buy into it you're it'll be the most impenetrable comic but, you've ever read but if you're in with what yeah, it's doing I mean, it, it it's just bang me, bang 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 and it and, reminded and, and me this of, felt um, like reading that <laughs> it reminded me of secret invasion in that it was right. just you know cool moment i thought secret cool invasion moment. was meant to be a bad one did you like <laughs> well, secret invasion 
<laughs> I don't. I wouldn't say I like it, but structurally, it reminded me of it. Mm. It's funny though. I, I, my experience of those are that they are like very plot driven and aren't character driven. Whereas mm. uh, there's not a lot of plot in this movie. It's <laughs> there's uh, not a lot of plot in Secret Invasion either. <laughs> well, Thor, here is a thing that you need to go over there and do. Uh, Captain America, you need to go from there to there to do this thing. Vision needs to be going from there to there. Tony, you need to get to that. But and like they all just have little tasks and little fights to go to to engage in along the way. And and it shouldn't work because the mm. because there isn't much to it. And I and I really <coughs> feel I was I I came out of my um, Marvel marathon last week uh, with with this like new appreciation for the way that the Marvel Cinematic Universe had approached the characters of Tony Stark and um and um Steve Rogers them being kind of like polar opposite polar opposites in that like Tony Stark is governed by internal forces and Cap is governed by external forces. Cap is very sure of himself. I don't like bullies. I want to do the right thing. And mm-hmm. you watch as the world around him changes and he stays steadfast throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Whereas Tony Stark is a character who is so unsure of himself, is cur- is constantly <laughs> yeah. like is constantly battling his own inner demons and neuroses, and his movies are all about him grappling with something internally and coming to like a new a new status quo by the end of the movie. And I and I, I found it fascinating to the point where you get to civil war and those two things clash. And I can actually watched that movie this time and went, oh, what's really interesting about this is based on everything we know about these characters, both of them are right. And when you get to the end of the movie, both of them are right. But then about a different thing, both of them are wrong. And I, I was, I was really, and I was really interested in that. That's what, that was going through in my mind as I went into Infinity War. And I went into Infinity War and went, I wonder how that's going to track. And I, oh no, it doesn't. Because all this movie is interested in doing is going, where have these 18 movies brought these characters to up to this point? Mm -hmm. That is where they are now. And that is the status at which they exist in this movie. Yeah. And then things. When they encounter Thanos. Yeah. And things will happen to those characters. And the reason it works is because the Marvel Cinematic Universe has always done a great job of character. That's the what even when the films aren't great, it is great at character. And you look at a character like Thor, who this movie does a great job of just reconciling serious Thor, silly Thor, put him there and like finding that sweet spot. Mm. And but that's kind of with every character. There's no real you don't see any new side of any of these characters really. You just watch these characters who you know so innately from the, the amount of time that you've spent with them previously and you can just enjoy the spectacle of it all with these characters who you are deeply invested in if you are like us yeah well like the, the, thing, the, thing... the thing that remind it reminded me of was like a michael bay transformers movie only <laughs> if good <laughs> it had actual characters to use and not just like cgi nonsense and, and, and uh, yeah and this 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 film is i can i this film is already troubling um snotty film critics who don't like big expensive superhero blockbuster movies because on the surface this film like i can see why this film would be taken as the worst of what they perceive those kind of films as being about and 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 what michael bay transformers films are like because if you just look at this film from the point of view of 
a bunch of characters turn up and you are expected to know who they are and it's not explained who they are and all that happens is they each turn up and in a succession of scenes that don't really have an arc and don't really undulate and don't really have a traditional three-act movie structure they just do a lot of stuff and do a lot of fighting and a lot of chasing around and things get destroyed and i could see that as a criticism mm-hmm. if this film was standalone yeah if it was the but first standalone thing but it's yeah. not it's the final but the point is, of an yeah, 18 and the, movie 19 movie story and, and 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 this is the point at which comics which for eight decades have been a sequential long form form of storytelling finally collide properly with movies which are not and you know you have series of movies and but you have ones like James Bond that aren't sequential and you have ones like Harry Potter which are finite this is the culmination of what the marvel films have been doing over the last 10 years which is genuinely bringing how comics tell stories to cinema and so it's incredibly jarring if you are just a cinema person to -hmm. sit down and watch this two and a half hour film that just throws out every rule about movie storytelling (laughs) because it's got its rules from comic book storytelling i found it really jarring watching it i found it it wasn't it wasn't just the 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 the, like the weight was on my chest because of the impending terror of it all (laughs) i was also i was just thrown off guard by the by the lack of by the lack of any kind of recognizable structure because even when marvel has done these crossover movies before those crossover movies have had yes other things on their mind and i yeah like like (laughs) avengers is is the most comicsy up to this point and we've talked about that in great detail before but even that is still still, structured like a movie it still undulates typical when i walked when i walked out this movie i turned to reese and i said joss whedon could not have made that movie like when I remember when we found out Joss Whedon wasn't making Avengers three and it was the Russo's instead. I was yeah, I was a little bit disappointed. Um, I don't think that Joss Whedon could 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 bring himself. No, he, to write he wouldn't have been able script. to detach himself from mm. the like as as a guy who is primarily a writer. Yeah, and a writer first, he wouldn't have been able to let go of the you know the arc and the script structure. Mm. Whereas a... these guys were like, "Well, let's translate the experience of these event comics into a movie." Yeah, and like, which I, I realized <laughs> kind of fairly early on that that's what was happening, and I was like, "That's why I love it mm. because this is just like having someone read these comics to me in widescreen." <laughs> I, I remember seeing year, like years and years ago, and it, but it's something that's always stuck with me. Um, a description of uh, aliens um, doing something unusual, which is that you know you you it was some, someone was saying that like you could draw a graph um, of pretty much any film of the kind of peaks and troughs of the excitement level, and they would look very similar for a lot of films, certainly for a lot of the same type of film where they would go up at certain points and down at certain points and give you a breather and then go up a bit and then up for quite a long while and then drop a bit. And that the interesting thing about Aliens was that it doesn't follow that pattern because it has, well, it has a big moment right at the start that's at the top then it drops and it stays low for especially if you're watching the director's cut for quite a long time (laughs) and then suddenly it ratchets up and then once it's ratcheted up it literally does not stop for the rest of the film it just stays at the top for the rest of the film infinity war 
does that ratchet up within about 30 seconds <laughs> of starting there, yeah. and stays there for the entire <laughs> film. I've never well, seen a film no, like it, it, it that just doesn't you, have a drop-off. It gives you your brief moment of respite, oh, yeah, I think, the, with, yeah. with Tony and, <laughs> with Tony and Pepper in, in the park. park. Yeah, that's it. That is they're it. Mar- they're married, you guys. That's nice, isn't it? They're married now. <laughs> there, was just, there, was lots of, there was just occasional little moments where someone said something or someone did No, hang on. They're not, they're like, not married. No, they said. I'm pretty sure they said they were married now. No, 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 no. because he says, because he says to Wong, you're, you're, invited, I'm, to you're invited to my wedding. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said you were. Okay. All oh, right. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll. They were going to get married, but then he he's going to die in part two, yeah. so they won't. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, guys, Helen Cho. Dead. Dead. Okay. <laughs> just, just wanted to check in on Helen Cho. Um, <laughs> so, um, before we uh, before we started recording the podcast, um, I went out to our listeners uh, on Twitter and asked them just to send in any questions that they had about the movie, uh, anything they particularly wanted us to cover, any questions we wanted to answer, because we thought there's no point trying to a- attempt to cover this film sequentially. Because, as we said, it's it's all incident. It's just all incident. <laughs> and it would be impossible to try and just follow it through in that, like, chronological order. So um, let's let's just talk. Because I think once we get through th- some of these questions, we are going to have hit almost everything. <laughs> um, so Twitter user, your turn, Heather, uh, who is hopefully going to be a future uh, guest on this podcast. Uh, she wanted us to talk about three things. Uh, one... Space Giant, which I'm <laughs> assuming she's talking about Dinklage. Yeah, I like. I really loved that seeing that character. Um, I thought it was really funny and you know interesting way to use him. I'm less sure about his accent. Everyone seems to have been complaining about his performance. I think his accent was a bit weird, but I think it brings us back to the it's the Tessa Thompson, it's the Asgardian accent thing. I was fine with it because I thought he was really funny and uh, in his delivery of like Thor got one of my favorite lines of the movie as a, as a sincere line and then it was turned into a joke that made it even better which was the, this is going to kill you, and Thor completely sincerely saying, only if I die, which is a fantastic line for someone like Thor to say. <laughs> and then Dinklage just like, well, yeah, that's that that's what that's what it'll kill you means. But that's 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 what I was talking about about getting that perfect mix of Thor. That feels like something well, very self serious that the character would say, but also it's incredibly stupid. Well, you know, I, again, like tease for it, but I, I, let's see if one of the questions brings us to it because I really want to have a whole conversation about Thor. But no, I, I liked Dinklage. What I didn't like was the fact that I read a review that said that he was playing a giant, which really annoyed me because while it didn't give away exactly who he was playing, it meant that I knew. Knew, as soon as they mentioned that a dwarf was going to forge Stormbreaker, I was like, oh, Peter Dinklage is going to be a giant dwarf. And that's going to be funny, but it would have been funnier if I hadn't had that already that, ruined. Um, that character, by the way, I think is called Eitree. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it didn't didn't work for me, you guys. <laughs> I, like, I liked it. I didn't, I, I didn't get it. I liked it, didn't, it too. It didn't bother me, but I just didn't get it. I didn't get the... I, I didn't get what what, what I liked get, about that scene was that design. that scene was the MCU doing a Walt Simonson Thor comic for a little while. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, well, so one of one of um, Lamara's other points that she wanted to talk about was Thor's new hammer, which oh, I think Thor That's one of the moments, uh, and I've now done this to Reese in two films consecutive, two Marvel films. <laughs> I just turned to him and go, 
cool. That's cool. (laughs) I was just (laughs) so, so fucking happy at that point. Um, and it has Groot's arm. That and was oh, I love that touch because like I'd seen yeah. the toy and I'd seen it had like a gnarled wooden handle. I yeah. would never have guessed it was Groot's arm. Like I fucking love that. That is cool. That is proper MCU cool distilled. Yeah, I, but you know, I, you know, I, you know whose hammer Stormbreaker is. It's be- Beta Ray Bells, didn't you say? Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> bring it, bring him in there. God, it's fit for a horse. <laughs> so, uh, but that was a- just oh. Two of my favorite, two of my favorite lines, jokes in the movie uh, were related to Groot. Uh, my first one was when Rocket said to Thor, "You speak Groot," and he's like, "Yes, I took it as an elective in Asgard," <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which really made me laugh. And then the second one, which I'm sure you guys will will know, I'm about to mention, "I am Groot." I'm Steve Rogers. <laughs> I love that the, moment. Oh, the, like, I would the, never have put those two characters together, but that's the, like the perfect response from Captain America. As the well. sincerity of yeah, Steve exactly. Rogers like, when just, he says it. Just think, right, it's been... Um, hang on, did Guardians come out in 2013 or 2014? 2014? Oh, 14, yeah, I'm going to say 14. Yeah, it's, so it's been four years since Guardians of the Galaxy came out. Now, whatever you think of Guardians 2, let's not have that argument again. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that we have all spent that four years waiting for the moment when the Guardians get to interact with everyone else. Mm-hmm. And it really didn't disappoint, did it? Like, <laughs> every interaction that every one of them had that... with one of the other established characters, the, Peter the and scene Thor, where they, the Rocket scene where and they Thor. Meet Thor. Yes. Like... I can only imagine when they wrote that scene they knew that every other line was going to be missed from jokes from people laughing from people laughing yeah god yeah I was just that's one of the scenes I saw in the preview so I've Mm. seen it twice and it just (laughs) it was not even not any less funny the second time around it's funny though isn't it that actually the Guardians haven't met the Avengers like Sir, Thor has Thor has met a couple of them. Rocket and Groot have met a, a bulk of them. Star Lord's only met like Tony and Strange and Spider Man. Um, and Thor. And Thor, yeah. But still, but still, like all, all in bits and pieces. It's... Well, I mean, well, I since the... since you mentioned that, the other thing that didn't happen in this film is that the Avengers didn't reunite. Yes. So that's which... what they're leaving. That's what they're saving for the next one. Is the the big everyone meets stuff, mm. guys? I am I am throwing out one prediction right now. When ultimately the moment comes when those characters are returned to life, be it with a click of the fingers, with a gauntlet, or whatever, a character is going to say "assemble," and then it will happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can. I, I, I really liked actually though the the whole thing of the Avengers getting described to the Guardians. Like, oh, they're Earth's Mightiest Heroes. And then later in the film, them meeting them and being like, oh, we're the Avengers. It's like, oh, right, they told us about you guys. Like, <laughs> I love I love the scene where they're trying to plan how to attack Thanos on Titan. <laughs> and yeah. you see Tony realise, like, oh, he, these are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> like, when he's yeah, trying to explain... Like- like his assumption would be with a plan yeah like he thinks they're they're you know like the space avengers but no yeah (laughs) they're just a bunch of like dickheads (laughs) again one of one of my revelations from the um from the marvel marathon was the 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 first guardians which we do all agree is fantastic the line that sums up that movie is when um peter quill contacts uh corpsman day and says um like I may be a bit of a dick, but I'm not an asshole. 
And like that's his that's his character arc in that mm. movie. He starts off as an <laughs> asshole and he becomes Not a bit of a dick. Yeah. You he, could, he you could kind bit... of argue, I think, and again, this is as someone who I love Guardians 2. I'm not criticizing Guardians 2, but I think I think a valid criticism of Guardians 2 is that it it substitutes I think I've, I've, I've talked about this elsewhere, but it substitutes some of the charm of the first film for arrogance and confidence confidence that it's earned because of how good the first film was but that seeps into the characters as well and i think in this film um uh, marcus and mcfeely write the guardians of the first film better than james gunn did in the second film yeah reese said to I me he thought it that. was a better he thought it was a better guardians of the galaxy film than guardians of the galaxy volume 2 <laughs> i would definitely agree with that can I, I, can I, I don't, kind of, but I see that as an entirely valid point of view for people who didn't like Guardians 2. <laughs> can I use this opportunity to throw out my searing hot take about this movie? Go on. The MVP for me yeah. is a Guardian, and the, the, the biggest failure of the movie is a Guardian as well. Okay. Mantis. So for me... Uh, no, no. So for me, and this this is the part where I, I like is less controversial. Gamora is um, a, a, a massive success. I think Zoe Saldana has always been good. Uh, she absolutely kills it here. I think that she <clears throat> she sells the uh, like Brolin's good as Thanos, but I think she's the character that we know already. She sells the Thanos connection, mm-hmm. and from from very very early on, she is. Um, she's kind of like the one for me who was like the the heart of this movie and ultimately the actual soul of this movie um <laughs> and, and i even think that the young the young actress playing a young gamora is fantastic i mean she looks she it's, it's a really it's a really good job of making those two characters feel like the same like the same character but i just i thought she was fantastic i mean it makes absolute I, sense doesn't it to put her as the center of the one of the central characters of the film because she like yes. represents the impact that Thanos and his campaign of madness has on the universe. Yeah, like, and she was I... a normal girl who became a killing machine. Yeah, because yeah. of her encounter with him. Mm. Yeah, and I think and I think Saldana sells that. I think I, I really think she's great. Um, and to to the point that I was I was mad when she was killed and and I, like. It makes sense in this movie, but I was like, no, no, I don't, no, I don't want a, I don't want a Guardians of the Galaxy three where Gamora's not a character mm. because honestly, she's the most interesting one. Maybe, maybe apart from, uh, I think Rocket's up there, but like, we've done two Peter stories, uh, Drax and and Groot and Mantis, like, while all have their merits, are more comedic relief. Um. Gamora is the character I want around, and I don't want to see a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three without that character. So as I'm much sure as I kind of hope, back. as much as much as I kind of hope the early deaths stick, um, I I would like Gamora to play more of a function than motivation for Peter in in Guardians in, Three. Yeah. In Guardians Three, I do like. I sort mm. of think if she's not back in the next film, she will be back in Guardians Three because like it, it's so clear that there's an out for that death and. If, Hopefully. You know, it feels like that's not the end of her story. Um, so I'm gonna go to the flip side. Uh okay. for me for me the, the, the failing of this movie is Star Lord. Um mm. I think it 
I don't, I I think, d- I don't agree. I've, well, I, yeah. I, 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 I knew you wouldn't. <laughs> but, um, no, but putting aside, like, like again, you know, I think, I think if he ke- if he turned up in this film as 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 the Star Lord of Guardians two, I think. But I don't think he does. I, I I don't know. I th- I, th- I think it's I think it's a good take on him, and he works well, and he interacts well with the other characters. No, so it's not it's not so much Star Lord as it is Chris Pratt. I think it. <laughs> yeah, I but think are you was... just projecting the fact that we all don't like Chris Pratt anymore? Oh no, I don't. I don't dislike <laughs> Chris Pratt. Like the world has turned on Chris Pratt. Like no, I mean the world turned on Tom Hiddleston. No one's no one's slamming Loki. Here's. <laughs> Here, here's what it is for me. That big scene, which I, I, I thought was silly in in the moment where they were ripping off the gauntlet and then Quill loses it and fucks it for all of them by attacking Thanos. And I and I, and I thought it was silly in the moment, and then was talking about it afterwards and was was going through it. And Reese said to me, "What well, do you think? You'd, do you think you'd have thought that was silly if he'd just killed Pepper and Tony had attacked, or he or?" Uh, Peggy Carter had just been killed, and and Capital lost his. And I and I and I started thinking about all of the different characters in the MCU. If it was if it was Black Panther and it was um, Nakia, or you know all these various characters. And I thought I I know I don't think it would have seemed as silly. Mm. And I think the reason it seems silly is because Chris Pratt isn't a good enough actor to sell that emotion. And and I, yeah, and I think I'm sort I, of convinced I think, by that actually. I think Chris Pratt fell fell really short in that moment. Cause really especially short, because they have that scene with in the collector's menagerie where you're supposed to be seeing him grappling with this really difficult decision, mm. and actually, yeah. it doesn't really feel like he's there. Yeah, and that's and that's it for me. It's not it's not so much because I think the character in his quippier moments works. I do think that if you'd have told me after the first Guardians of the Galaxy film that. I'd have been watching scenes with Spider-Man, Star-Lord, Iron Man and Doctor Strange and Star-Lord <laughs> was my third or fourth favourite character in those scenes. I would have told you to fuck off, you're lying, because Star-Lord is brilliant. Um, but I was I was more engaged by all of the rest of them. And yeah, you're right, in that earlier moment and in the moment where he loses his call with Thanos... I just didn't. I just didn't buy the performance, and right. that, and that, and that was for me the one <coughs> real dud note of the movie that I was like, I I personally am really invested in the death of Gamora because I think she's been great in this movie, and I'm really upset that she's not in it anymore. But I still don't buy her boyfriend's reaction to her death. Yeah, it's because they don't have that sort of strong connection the way for example pepper and tony do but pepper and tony we saw them like when you get to the start when you get to the start of the avengers you've not really seen them together as a couple they kissed once mm-hmm. at the end of iron man 2 and then at the start of the avengers they've just got this patter and they're living together now at the top of Stark tower and like you're like yes those characters they make total sense steve and peggy whenever they're on screen if, uh, like they're they're barely on screen together in the first Avenger. Like they've got like three or four scenes, mm-hmm. um, but you buy that. Yeah. Whereas Gamora, Gamora and Star Lord, Gamora and Star Lord, they, are, got they that, act like got... colleagues that occasionally I know we kiss. Haven't, I know we haven't seen them together as a couple for very long, and but they have that kiss at the start of this movie, and it just it just doesn't hold the same impacts as the others. And yeah, like yeah, I say, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced by your argument. I'm I'm pointing the finger of blame at Pratt rather than Saldana because I think Saldana fucking kills it. Yeah, well, so she, just has, while she has chemistry with a CGI purple guy, so <laughs> if she can act off that. Just while we're on Chris Pratt, what is going on with 
the credit order on this film that <laughs> you get everybody and then you get Josh Brolin as Thanos and then you get and Chris Pratt. Yeah, so so How, what's his agent done there to no, get so, that? No, so he got the he got the and because basically he he hadn't he obviously contractually couldn't get slapped in straight straight at the top because coming into this film he probably is one of the two or three biggest movie stars in the movie. Yeah. But probably there was enough contractual stuff done that rather than put him in below like um, Scarlett Johansson and Don Cheadle or whatever, they've just, no, they've negotiated the and instead. I think, <laughs> it, I think it, that's, that's what's that's so conspicuous. There. It's so conspicuous. Given his role in the film, it's like... It's not, it's not he, about the role he, in the film. It's about all of the... <laughs> no, I know, but it's like... But it should go, like, Downey Jr., Hemsworth, Evan's a bit lower down because he's in the film less... I bet you could Pratt. write a book. You could write a book about the credit block in this movie. <laughs> I know, I know. But I just found that really kind of, you know... It, it, more jarring than I think it should have been. Or I've was got to say, to I didn't even notice. <laughs> it didn't, I didn't spot it. Um, so what? I think you make a good case for Gamora, and I can see that argument. But and I have already kind of alluded to it and outright said it a few times. But it, she's not my MVP because my MVP is Thor. Um, yeah, <laughs> just I, I'm like not, I'm not going to argue too much with that. <laughs> every, just just everything just worked. And what I what I love is that it's just. It just it all comes together in this film, and we've talked when we've talked previously about previous films that Thor has been in. That sometimes he's just the guy who shows up and is strong and heroic, and other times he's just the straight up, you know. So like Thor two doesn't make enough of the fact that Chris Hemsworth is great at comedy, and then Ragnarok. While I love him in Ragnarok and I love that film, maybe doesn't quite treat him seriously enough. Well, and, this when you, film and when just... you look at what Ragnarok does with his big hero moment in the third mm. act and mm. compare that to what this film does with that big hero moment. <laughs> I mean, obviously, this this film is just everything is at a scale. Yeah, um, <laughs> everything's turned when, up to 11. <laughs> but when, when Thor turns up, I mean... And it's like, you know it's coming. Like, you know yeah. exactly what's going to happen. It's not like it's a surprise that he turns up. You know he's got Stormbreaker, and you know he's on his way. And still, they just manage to amp up how it's done and how he arrives. And I it's, think it's I'm, because I'm everyone, everyone, else is so ple- everyone else is so pleased to see him. Yeah. Where, but even Bruce even, Banner's like, oh, you're in trouble now. <laughs> and the Thor, even, the Thor cat moment on the battlefield. I mean, I'd read, <laughs> I'd read about that moment, but... I think I, I think when I'd read about that moment, I don't know whether that was pre or post Ragnarok, but yeah. the, the Ragnarok version of Thor saying that to Captain America <laughs> is genius. Well, and just, I'm I'm not sure what you're talking about. Just when remind they, me. Are you talking oh, about when they compare? Um, he, go, he goes, oh, he goes, oh, um, you've copied, you copied my long hair. Oh yeah, I've copied, you copied my beard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just, I mean, but everything before that, and it is the balance of like, he, oh, you know, he does get some fantastically funny stuff. Obviously, all the stuff with Rocket. I mean, who the hell thought? Let's have Thor and Rocket team up. Like <laughs> that's just such a ridiculous notion, and it's just perfect. But and I know, did, I did actually for all of uh, me just slagging off Star Lord. I did like the funny stuff with Star Lord and Thor on the ship. Oh yeah, I mean that that stuff's just so terrific. Yeah, and because yeah. that that is just a, you know, it's like how um, I've talked before about how in Civil War, um, Paul Rudd acts when meeting Captain America like a normal person <laughs> would act when meeting either yeah. Captain America or Paul Rudd, and 
this is the same. Like Star Lord acts like anyone would act when meeting Thor, or indeed possibly when meeting Chris Pratt. I like um, it playing on the meta Chris narrative as well. Yeah. Like one of, one, of, <laughs> one of these slightly less, in, slightly more inferior Chris's meets the superior Chris and goes yeah. like. Oh, but the, well, but then, I'm definitely threatened by you. But you were talking before about Chris Pratt not really selling the serious stuff. And God, that moment when he's talking to Rocket about everything that's happened to him. And you've, you've got that bit where he's kind of simultaneously crying and laughing. Oh, that That is that's one of my favourite scenes of the film. Like, of the film. Him sort of With dissolving like in tears and laughter, like, saying, what, oh, what have yeah, I got just, left and- to lose? And you know, for all that, for all my theories, like, uh, like, oh, maybe Peter Dinklage is the Soul Stone, all this kind of stuff. I was like, at that point, I was like, maybe Taika Waititi is Thanos. <laughs> he killed everything that Thor loves. <laughs> oh, but it, yeah, and just so, it, but it's just that he just keeps going from, yeah, like those fun moments, those sincere moments, and and you know, him and him and Rocket have have got maybe the part as far as the heroes go, the part of the narrative where they're most detached from everybody else when they yeah. go and and get Stormbreaker. And whether or not you like Dinklage, I mean, God, that bit with him holding open the thing, it, it, that's a Superman moment that is, you know, I mean, it literally, like, there's yeah. a moment where it's framed and it's like, remember the end of All-Star Superman when he's mm-hmm. literally... That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly well. what I was thinking of, yeah. Um, and, and like you yeah, said, it felt it just... felt like um, like a, a comic book version of Thor that we hadn't seen and that, and that maybe, like, certain Thor diehards were upset that we'd never quite got from Hemsworth. Well, it's because it had, it, like Seb was saying, it has everything. Like, it has the comedy and the pathos and the yeah. power. Well, it's, and it's I, all no, there. I, I, I think, looking at it, I think, and I, I, I've said this, that he, I think I wouldn't have expected that one character would get the funniest moments, the most moving moments, and the best heroic moments. And I certainly didn't think that that character would be Thor if anyone was going to get all three of those. But I really think he does. I mean, because he's, he's turning the, he's up the at the train station who comes been, close. He's been <laughs> underserved in the previous two. Uh, exactly. But, but Just all of a sudden... never knew what to do with him. Yeah, especially, yeah. But like all of a sudden, it's like this is... Okay, this is everything that Thor was leading to. And you were talking before again about how, you know, within the film the characters don't have arcs and even within the film thor doesn't really have an arc but it's about where thor's entire arc up to this point has brought him and this is where he is at now and where he is at now is he is despite the fact that he is kind of a broken man he is also the most complete version of this character and yeah hemsworth is just like awe-inspiringly good <laughs> and I, i've i've said this before i i don't think that thor is a character who is going to disappear at the end of phase no uh at the end of at the end of phase three i think he in his current guise makes sense the character to ca- continue on yeah and, he finally works mm. like give and him another film at least. he's kind of he's kind of an elder statesman of of these well films especially now. like especially if hems were especially if evans is probably not coming back and Downey yeah. Jr. is probably not interested in doing another whole film as Iron Man. Thor's the and guy also, if who you... you could pour into, you know, the mm. the position of being the one you remember from Phase One. Well, I, I think if you have your if you have your kind of like your Tony Stark and Steve Rogers as your like beacons of the of these first three phases, and that kind of <clears> everything <throat> ultimately does come back to them. That what if it is Thor and Thor and Carol Danvers in mm-hmm. in in because the, they would be mm. 
from the way this film establishes things, the two most powerful characters in the Marvel Universe, certainly, as as you move forward, because this new version of Thor does not fuck around. (laughs) (laughs) When he turns down on the battlefield and there are these ships pouring out aliens um, and he's just like tearing through them and destroying them like in one with one like <laughs> blow of the axe it's incredible um speaking of which actually there was a question from uh jason smedley on twitter uh he wanted to know what we thought of those aliens that thanos attacks with he said um does anyone else think that they look a bit symbiotish um or that, is he the only one because no when he oh, saw the film no, no, seems sorry I, th- I think you'll find the official pronunciation is symbiote oh god <laughs> we'll get we will get to that on the next mini side there is no time today um yeah i i don't think from especially even if you think there's a connection between the mcu and that venom movie that there that that venom is going to be using that as the way they introduce venom or the symbiote they they're going to be <laughs> They're going to be doing it in a more a science techie way. Um, but what uh, I, I couldn't see anywhere see uh, saying what race they were or where they come from. And also, I was wondering about the Black Order. Like, do they have a race, or are they just like they're all different aliens taken? Yeah, from across the Black the Order are different races. I I think I think the like aliens from Wakanda are existing designs that appear in Infinity. Um, right. Okay. Yeah, they they, they are, but they're very Hickman close because they because they were created so by yeah. Hickman, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So I think if you want, seem like, if you want to follow like, that, they, out, they seem like animalistic almost, like more yeah. so than the Chitauri even. Yeah. Mm. Like they're, they're not. They're even. They don't even feel like an alien race. They feel like just some like alien. They were like kind of Chitauri dogs hounds. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> hounds. Yeah. That's yeah. Um. Exactly. So probably. Yeah. Probably not. What? How? How is it pronounced, sir? Symbiotes. Symbiotes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so pro- probably not. Um, and also, we should come back to um, the, the the final of the three things that your turn Heather wanted us to talk about was Red Skull. And guys, can I can I start my victory lap here? Because for <laughs> yes, all of for all of my terrible predictions, and I will tell you that there is one thing in this movie that is not present that I'm not happy about, and we will get to that. Um, because I, I, if there was one, if there was one reason I walked away from this movie dejected, it was because the best I got was like two letters of his name being spoken loud. Um, but one thing that I've been banging on about because I rewatched Captain America, the first Avenger more than anyone is the scene where Red Skull disappears. <laughs> and the scene where Red Skull disappears, I posted a screen cap of it on Twitter during my marathon last week. I also tweeted <coughs> this last July because I went up and found it. Um, I, I tweeted a shot of Red Skull where he is holding the Tesseract in his hand. And obviously the Tesseract is the space stone. It kind of almost rips apart the sky above him. You see the entire kind of like universe in the Mm -hmm. background. And then the stone, it doesn't just like evaporate him. It It, it, does the transporting effect, doesn't it? Like the teleporting effect. It shoots him upwards. And I said on Twitter, if you could pick what, if you could bring back one MCU character for infinity war, who would it be? I'm picking red skull with a, an, a, 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 a screenshot of that scene and it's been something that I, I was kind of saying is that a way that you that Thanos almost maybe brings back a bunch of the old villains 
um, you know, that he kind of part of his plan would be any villains who had been killed using the Infinity Stone. So Ronan would be another one of Malekith, God help us. Um, <laughs> but that, that, it, would that be something they could do? But the one thing I was thinking is Red Skull feels like unfinished business. It, and it also, was a dangling it would have thread, some... wasn't it? And it became a dangling well, thread because of But no one, um, but no one ever. Hugo, well, Hugo yeah, Weaving played Reaving, the character. You know, was never going to come it. back because yeah. he was publicly yeah. rubbishing that role immediately. I was also him. predicting that maybe the end of Civil War because they were going back to, they were going back to the like one of the original well, the thing, like, Shield bases. The theory, in the... the theory was, wasn't it, in Winter Soldier that Pierce was actually the Red Skull, and mm. when that, was, that didn't well, happen, that, everyone that was went, a theory. Oh, I guess he's not coming back then. Well, there was also it, well, a theory, as I say, in Civil War, because they go back to where Bucky was created, mm-hmm. and I was wondering, do you go back there and actually find out the Red Skull has been pulling the strings the whole time? But that's like, but I've, they I've just always, in, they left always the been the right amount back. of time to not, to not well, that's... bring him back. That when that's, they brought him back, it was finally a surprise. That's yeah. why I like it. And, it, and it comes back to me saying about this film doing all kinds of things that comics do, which is, as you say, when we passed that point with Winter Soldier, where they didn't bring him back, the Red Skull became a question that nobody was asking anymore, uh, apart, from Joe. Asking. <laughs> apart from Joe. Apart from Joe, yes, should add that caveat. You know, it's it's not something where people were going, oh, desperate to see It's just like, it's one of those things that you accept, especially with movies where people, you know, like, don't do movies, and so, you, you know, you don't bring a character back. It's like, that character's done with, we're not going to do them again, it's fine, we've got all of this other stuff. But this happens in comics, where someone will come along later and go, do you know what? Nobody cares about that little dangling plot Nobody thread. Nobody cares about Spider-Man. I, I have a role that I need a character to play at this point. It yeah. doesn't have to be an existing character. It can just be a new character I can create. But wouldn't it be fun if I made them an old character? Just to, to take a little recent example, like uh, just off the top of my head, Dan Slott using Phil Urich mm-hmm. um, as the new Hobgoblin. When Phil Urich had been a character who'd been around in the 90s as a heroic Green Goblin... Nobody really remembered him. I remembered him. I liked that series. But no one would have cared if he never turned up again. Dan Slott could have just created a totally new character to be the new Hobgoblin. But he went, no, I'm going to make that Phil Urich. I'm going to turn Phil Urich into an evil character and make him that. It's that kind of thing. It's that kind of thing that comics does because comics is something where people come along and build on previous runs and people have different favourite bits of previous runs as well that they remember and that they want to bring back. And so... Yeah, it's just a it's just a lovely comicsy moment. It serves you know there is it serves no difference to the story whatsoever for that to be des- the red. I can't score. describe the face that I pulled in the cinema. <laughs> I think I'd that love was one to have seen your where reaction. I probably shouted like "Oh fuck" or something. <laughs> it definitely got a physical reaction out of me. So he's he's in brackets on IMDb. Red Skull in brackets. Stonekeeper is Stonekeeper a character with comics? No, I don't. I don't no. think so. Not yeah. Right. Not that I'm aware yeah. of. But yeah, I, I, I and, just, and, and and we know we know it's not Hugo Weaving, don't we? No, it's it's, it's, it's Ross, Ross Markand. Yeah, who is, who has been in The Walking Dead, apparently, and it, um, and he's a good impressionist. Which they they needed someone who could do Hugo Weaving's Red Skull voice. I mean, he doesn't I, really I, do that either, does he? I mean, it's been I mean, you know he's been in space for seventy years. It makes sense he's lost the accent <laughs> a little. I don't know. I think it's I yeah, think it's if you there, didn't but... know, you could believe it was Hugo. Well. Weaving. I, I I like as I say my face and I kind of like physically shook Reese and then he was like is it weeping and I I was like it must be it must be and then 
10 seconds later went that's it's not it's not um, <laughs> that was the one it, downside of the scene was i was sitting there going like oh is it weaving is it weaving uh, it doesn't sound like weaving <laughs> yeah. or does it no yes no but yeah i i i thought it was cool and i think the one underrated thing about red skull has always been that design is really good mm-hmm. it fit it it works in captain america the first avenger because it is almost like this throwback boys own serial story um and that it's it's a silly design that fits with this kind of chintzy version of a of a Marvel hero, um, and and similarly, it works when you are going balls to the wall high concept stuff where Thanos <laughs> has just d- journeyed to a planet with his adopted daughter to find the Soul Stone. Um, speaking of where the Soul Stone is, um, I, I don't think any of us guessed. Oh, it's on a planet which we've never had referred to before. Um, no. But because I, I don't, I think because of the Red Skull of it, and because of the emotional impact that that scene carries, uh, the performances in that scene, um, I, I, I didn't mind. I didn't mind that like this kind of secret had not really been a secret all along. It was just I was the a stone, little the stone bit out there. disappointed. Like when there's a point early in the film where they say something like there are two Infinity Stones on Earth, and I was like, oh. So there's not one in Wakanda. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, they never said it is. They just didn't tell us where it was, no, I true. guess. But, I mean, it seemed like such a cool idea that it would be in Wakanda. And then yeah. it was just somewhere else. It's just on MacGuffin world. Yeah. But, yeah, as I say, scene worked for me. Um, I'm going to go to... We, we got, a, we got a, a bunch of questions from Mark Holmes on Twitter. Um... Uh, he first of all asked about the Red Skull, so we covered that one. His next question, though, is something I think we can address pretty quickly. What is up with the Hulk? Now, a few people asked this, asked <laughs> this, and I think obviously the it's obviously not been fully successful what they were trying to do, um, because a, a few people are asking the question. But to me, it seemed as simple as the Hulk has, you know, he. He went and attacked Surtur at the end of um, at the end of Thor Ragnarok. Um, the Hulk has never shied away from a fight; has always like held his own. Um, at, and yet, in this, gets the shit kicked out of him roundly in yeah, about like, ten seconds, and as, then as the podcast is too scared to come back like out. Hulk nerd. <laughs> I can absolutely say the feeling I got in this film was Hulk is scared and he's not coming out. Yes, and got, again... Like, ah, I was so annoyed, actually. One of the things... I wrote an article for Den of Geek before the film about where all the characters in Infinity War were and what might happen to them. And I said at one point, like, sort of joking comics nerd, nerd thing, like, oh, they better not have Thanos beat up the Hulk to prove how strong he is. Literally, first fucking scene, Thanos kicks the shit out of the Hulk. <laughs> but, it, but it works. It absolutely works. But, like, as a Hulk fan, I was like, ah, how can you do that? <laughs> Hulk is but, the strongest one, not Thanos. But here's here's well, this. Uh, uh, do do you not get the impression that when Hulk comes back, Hulk's, he's Hulk's gonna, gonna really kick some ass? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imagine him slamming. Imagine him actually slamming uh, Thanos around like he slammed Loki. <laughs> um, I, I think it works as, as part of the context of that bigger scene, and also I think this was another example of taking the version of the character that you had got up to at this point in the MCU. The Hulk that we now know is not just this feral animal inside Mm. Banner. 
He's a he's a toddler. He's Banner's he's, mate. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a toddler who throws tantrums, mm. and he has just has just like been given a big old boo boo, and he does not want another one. It's like it, I mean, yeah, it's that all that time that he spent as Hulk in in the time off screen pre Ragnarok, and then during Ragnarok has enabled Hulk to become a character distinct from Banner. And now it, you know, it is that thing of the two of them are are fighting and arguing within the same yeah. person. You know, I, I I love that now you've got Banner will actually talk to Hulk. He's like, "Come yeah. on, Hulk, where are you?" Like, we haven't had that before, have we? We've not, had him kind of refer MCU, to sure. the other guy, like kind of in the third person, but him actually talking to Hulk and or you know, actually having dialogue, like, "Come on, Hulk, no!" It's like that's great. That's you know, I want to see more of that. I liked that. I did. I did think they went. At times, pushed Banner a little bit too far down the goofy side because I'd never really seen Banner as that before Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> they really ah, but pulled, you... <laughs> they pulled him back from Ragnarok a significant amount. But is that not because the and they I think this kind of ties into like because he's not angry anymore. <laughs> so this whole <laughs> thing about you know I'm always angry, like. Yeah. Um, it, 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 his relationship, or his, you know, his, his his relationship with Hulk, his ability to become Hulk, has been messed up by the fact that he has changed and become this kind of weird, lackadaisical, nervous guy again. Like, yeah, <laughs> I kind of, I wish, I wish we could have spent a bit more on the on the Hulk. Oh, sorry, in the Banner moments as well. Like, I, I would have liked to have seen a bit more from Banner and Tony reuniting. I certainly would have liked to have seen a bit more from uh, Banner and Black Widow reuniting. Um, but it just didn't seem like the movie had time for that. Um, and also, I think uh, the the one thing that none of us thought, I think we all we all thought we were going to see Hulk inside the Hulkbuster armor. Yeah, but we, did, we didn't. We just saw Banner, and it, that looked silly <laughs> <laughs> when the when the helmet comes off and it's just Bruce Banner's tiny little head. Yeah. <laughs> just what it looked bizarre. Were you, um, were you satisfied with the fact that the film spent pretty much no time whatsoever on the Bruce and Natasha relationship? <laughs> like, apart from one I very was, brief I reference I was kind of happy it. they didn't go too deep into it. <laughs> yeah. I would, I I would have liked... Would be. <laughs> I would have liked them to maybe have exchanged a bit of dialogue. I was going to say, I would have liked maybe two or three lines, but yeah, I'm not unhappy but, with how much we got. But they are both still around, so... I'm sure. That. I'm sure they will follow it up in a film where there are fewer Avengers alive. <laughs> <laughs> um, we mentioned briefly, though, the the opening sequence where Thor get where Hulk gets beat up by Thanos. Uh, we haven't really talked about the big moments in that scene. We talked about how effective we thought it was in terms of establishing Thanos as a threat, and I think again, I think the work that. Um, Alan Silvestri scored us in that scene, introducing Thanos, d- giving you a kind of like more melancholic take on the Avengers theme. Um, Thor's head in Thanos's hand, <laughs> and the actual Loki death itself. <clears throat> um, I I I thought was a, I I thought it was really deftly handled in that it was brutal and the the shot the shots of Hiddleston like in the death throes and then of his of his corpse were really affecting but it wasn't too kind of 
graphic or disgusting that that it kind of like put the film in a in a whole different realm to the rest of the Marvel stuff. And yeah, I think we all agree, don't we? For for Hiddleston and for Idris Elba, that is it for the MCU. I think so. I'm fairly sure. Yeah, I think if any, like at the most, we might get some kind of, you know, time traveling slash afterlife style goodbye scene. I don't think yeah. they're going to come back to life after that. But do you think? Because I, I remember when we did Ragnarok, and I said I thought that so much of Ragnarok was geared towards setting up killing Heimdall and then it doesn't and it's like do you think they would have done if the plan wasn't to kill him in this yes yes Um, yes, absolutely yes but it is that thing of like god it really it makes like so much of Ragnarok all for naught basically (laughs) because it's like yes we've saved all the Asgardians oh no they're all dead I've been arguing with quite a few people actually over whether Valkyrie and Korg and Meek are actually alive still or not I, I'm it, sure very there is some. Did not see them die, so I think if mm. they deal with Thor, 4 they, they, they could go, still be. We want to I'm sure there is. All, a, of, all, all of the normal Asgardians that they were rescuing are, are dead. Right. No. So here is here is what I thought that that I thought it was a very throwaway piece of dialogue, and I have to go back and see it. But I'm sure it was something like Thanos says to Thor, like, "Here you are with 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 half of your people dead dead around your feet." And I, and the way that the ship was ripped into pieces, mm-hmm. I um, I it almost could have been that the rest of them are floating because yeah, Valkyrie and Korg and Meek, I don't think are dead. No. I don't I mean I certainly no. don't think Valkyrie's dead. <laughs> I mean they're um, not dead if they want to use them again. If they don't, yeah. they are dead. <laughs> yeah, but as I said, I believe there they're is a currently like Schrodinger's Asgardians. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I I just I thought it was a. A fitting send-off for Loki, who, personally, I think we had seen that character's arc. He was... Well, yeah, because... He was done. Well, they said, like, we talked about it in Ragnarok, how they got him to the point of saying, like, they were saying... What was it? He said, like, oh, you'll never change. But he wants to. Mm. And so he has this opportunity to portray Thor in order to, you know make a deal with Thanos and he doesn't take it because yeah. he's changed. Like he's become properly heroic now. And I think you guys it just doesn't work the, out for him. I think you guys saying during the Thor Ragnarok podcast that you could almost see a, the, like a way that this Loki kind of transitions into a different version yeah, of the character. 100%, the comics. Right, 100% they're going to bring him back as kid Loki. If, <laughs> so if they do Thor 4, kid Loki 100% is in it. I'm so, putting but, money but, on that now. But that's Hiddleston gone. Yeah, Hiddleston done, with the possible exception of cameos slash, you know, flashbacks. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, 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 I thought that scene was uh, was really strong, and like, like I say, as a, as a like a, a I'm losing the words. <laughs> a set, a setting the tone for the movie in terms Although, of setting the tone for the movie. I, mean, I think it does a great job. I I buy that that certainly that's it for Hemsworth. It, it, uh, Hemsworth Hiddleston, if if not it for Loki entirely. But to do a okay, we're not messing around. We are actually starting to properly kill off characters with a character who has already seemingly died more than once or just once. Um, even to the extent that it gets referenced in dialogue afterwards, is a bit 
I, I can see why it has to be Loki. I know why it's Loki. And I, I think that's part of the reason why Heimdall is killed as well, because it's like, if it was just Loki, you'd be like, oh, but it's Loki. But, they, but there is an element of the first like major character like that, that they do seemingly kill off for good, is the one who you really can't trust that they have actually killed off whenever uh, they do. But that's that's ex- that's exactly why <laughs> you've got the you've got the scene where later Thor goes, "Oh, he's died before, but I think he actually is dead this time." It is the it is Thor reassuring <laughs> the audience. No, guys, honestly, if we reverse <laughs> this, this if we stick. reverse this one, you you really You'll have never right believe to come anything after us. we say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it works for me. Um, going back to some some more questions <laughs> that Mark Holmes sent through because he sent. Uh, a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> do you think it's a shame that we didn't see Thanos attack Xandar? I was because about to mention this, actually. That's the, the, the I, movie I starts and sure. he just has that stone. He just has it. Yeah, I was so sure we were going to see that. However, I have a theory now, which Ooh. is that I, I think they didn't show the attack because they're teeing up a Nova movie. And the opening scene of any Nova solo film is going to be Thanos attacking Xandar. So they left themselves the opportunity to create an origin story for the character by not showing that scene. And also, like, it's incidental, version, that Which scene. version of Nova would that be? Well, the... a version of Nova which doesn't have the Nova Corps backing him up. Because then he's just Green right. Lantern, and we see how that worked out. Yeah, which would make... if So if you have Xandar being yeah. destroyed. So Xandar's destroyed, and whatever it's called, I think the World Mind, maybe? I don't know. Nova's got a helmet which has all the knowledge of the other Novas mm. in it. Um, that make that I think that's that's a that's a great theory. Um, Kevin Feige talked this week about how the um, at Marvel they have kind of like a board of all characters that they haven't done yet, but who they think have immediate movie potential. Mm-hmm. So you could you could drop them into someone else's movie, or you could give them their own uh, characters that he mentioned that were on there um, were uh, Moon Knight. Interestingly <laughs> enough. Um, but no- Nova was also one of the key ones. Nova that he is about. definitely one of those characters who never quite took off in the comics, but you can absolutely see how that concept works as a movie. Mm. Like it's a no-brainer. It is. It's. It is just Green Lantern, but in the Marvel universe. Like it's so simple to to turn that into a movie story. And for me, I didn't miss the attack on Xandar being there because. Ultimately, what it would have been going back there to see Glenn Close and John well, C. Riley, quite because none of none of our principal cast has anything to do on Xandar, so it would just yeah. be Thanos turning up, destroying everyone, and taking the stone and leaving. And if you can show him like ex- getting an Infinity Stone and showing his force in a scene with two two characters that we do know, mm-hmm. uh, why would which you? is how the movie starts instead? Yeah, why why not just do that instead? And so, yeah, so, they shaved maybe five to ten minutes off the film by not having that scene there. And like I say, I can see a more effective way of using it later. Like, yeah. I will be stunned if we don't see that scene at some point, probably in phase four. But. Yeah, I like I can that. see why they left it out of this one. Okay, um, there's, a, there's another couple of questions here that we're going to get to towards the end because there are. We're going to do some speculation, I think, before this podcast is out. Uh, but he also wants to know, is this the first ever superhero movie where the heroes lose and fail completely? Is it? Is there anything else you can think well, of that ends on... Only if you think they failed, because I don't think they do. I think we just stopped the plan halfway through. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Uh, well, also, Civil War. The villain fair. wins in Civil War. The villain definitely wins in Civil War. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. Yeah, I mean they defeat him as well, but only in the they defeat him in the sense of they arrest him. They don't defeat him in the sense of yeah, they um, don't stop stopping his plan. His plan. He achieves yeah. what he's out to. I know this is a, a really killer downer ending, but Marvel have had a uh, they've had a few. I mean, I some of my some of my favorite movies. I mean, like. As much as the Avengers ends on kind of like the triumphant win at the Battle of New York, the at the final montage is kind of like already the world kind of going like, hmm, what has gone on here? And also like there's been a hell of a lot of destruction. And as we talked about on the podcast before, there was almost a very depressing, um, uh, like, Hill. yeah, Mar- Maria Hill framing device on that film that was that was a bit downer. Um, you talked about Civil War there, and I mean, the end of Captain America, the first Avenger, is heartbreaking. Like, when Cap walks into Times Square, completely bewildered as to where he is, and it's like, are you alright, Cap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a date. And the movie just ends on that, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's brutal. Um, so it's it's not entirely unprecedented, um, but yeah, I think I think you're right, James. I think if you if you're watching this movie... Uh, and paying attention and actually looking at the characters that stick around and also you listen to that line of Doctor Strange dialogue. It is Oh, all of those all of those characters who've disappeared have almost been protected. Yeah. They've been oh, put you know into, what? A, into a nice little bubble where they cannot this, die. This movie has done a reversal of the the villain lets himself get ca- get captured plot line. <laughs> the heroes have let Thanos win in order to defeat him. <laughs> well, uh, I think the only person who lets Thanos win is Doctor Strange. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, Do- Doctor Strange has done the villain lets himself yeah, get captured. Because I mean, it's clear line. in that scene. Which it's Benedict Cumberbatch. He's already done that in a movie. <laughs> a really bad um, movie. Yeah, that's it. That's his strategy. <laughs> He's like, face the bad guy, let him win. And eventually you'll come out on top. Can we talk about Strange? Um, this isn't based on a question. This is just um, based on me um, finding him 
kind of delightful. I like I like Stephen Strange, and I, I think did, I that... really liked the sort of alpha male like. <laughs> You know, I'm... hyper nerd banter between Tony Stark and Doctor Strange, who are essentially the same character archetype. Yes, they they are the, they are the same character, and Strange is just like a, an a fresher version, not quite as battle scarred version of, yeah. of Tony Stark. I, I, I like in, that in a, in Strange has this kind of not completely unearned, but to an extent unearned confidence of I am literally better than ev- everyone else at everything. Um, he he is kind of white privilege in character form, like you know he he is just convinced that everything he says and does is right, and that he is unbeatable with his powers. And it's like you know we've only had one movie of him, and he was learning for most of that movie. But the end of the first Doctor Strange movie has turned him into someone who is just completely convinced of of his own brilliance yes <laughs> um, well that's that's and that yeah, could I be think... irritating but i think it's actually something that well it's as a, sherlock way, does it plays like... to benedict cumberbatch's strength it's almost like rather than being shown that he is fallible like yeah. tony stark was it went no actually you are you are pretty good and and i like the um i think the thor ragnarok scene whilst it didn't massively work for me the first time i watched that movie um, the Thor Ragnarok scene with with Strange kind of is the nice stepping stone towards this more powered version of the character, mm. and, and 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 giving him a place in the the Marvel universe as the guy who people come to when this stuff is going on. Yeah, weird weird stuff is happening. Let's go to Strange. I do mm. I do want to mention actually. Some people were saying I saw some complaints like, "Oh, Hulk just happens to le- to land in the Sanctum." Like, no, 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 no. Heimdall sent him there. Heimdall sends him there, yeah. Because yeah. yes. Heimdall can yeah. do that. He yeah. sees everything. That's his thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, was was his thing. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't <laughs> see much now. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I liked all that stuff, and I thought he was... I, I think his powers are... Marvel needs to do a little bit more with them. Uh, but his powers are a nice kind of counterbalance to what everyone else can do. And when you did get that one scene where, like, Strange started creating multiple versions of himself, and it started off with, like, multiple arms rather than multiple... <laughs> I just thought that was, like, yeah, that's that's kind of the weird stuff that I want to see from Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would I would like to... I'd, I'd like them to carry on with that. And I think it's nice that this character that everyone was kind of like... Mm, apart from me, who loves his solo movie, but even like I love the movie more than I love the character. But I think the fact that a lot of people came out of this movie going, "Oh, Doctor Strange was surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. I liked I liked Strange in this movie," <laughs> and the fact that he is kind of really, as we're talking about, the key to this battle ultimately being won. Um. Yeah, I, I like I. I I, I like that, and I like his chances of a Doctor Strange do more after this. <laughs> one of um, one of the things I liked was that they didn't have Tony Stark being like, "Wait, magic? What the hell are you talking about?" Like they just they took it so matter of fact, and the way they did that was by having him sort of gently mocking the idea. <laughs> <laughs> like my favorite, probably my favorite line in the entire film is when he's like, "These guys are from space. They're here to steal a necklace from a wizard." Yes, <laughs> it's like it's so. It just Tony Stark has just like seen it all and deal, dealt with it all, and he's just like, 
yeah, this is the current crazy stuff that's happening. Like, look how stupid it is. There was a couple of really great... You're embarrassing uh, me in front of the wizards is another great line. Yeah. <laughs> there was there was a couple of great Tony Stark, like, nicknamey things in this movie, and I, I can't remember all of them, but there was... there was It was just... It's like... it. Tony Stark is Sawyer from Lost at this point in, yeah. the, in, in the nickname <laughs> game, and it it really works for me every time he does it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to move on to another ca- uh, question now, which is uh, it's a sore subject to me, but we will we will get through it. Uh, this is from Chris Grigg, who asks: Do you feel like Black Widow was the least well served character? I was stunned by how little she had to do or say. Easily least of the original team, excluding Hawkeye. I don't know why he was stunned because it's perfectly in keeping with how Black Widow is treated. In fairness, it was <laughs> the Russos who gave us the best Black Widow version. Black Widow gets uh, gets good stuff to do in the Avengers. She gets good stuff to do in Winter Soldier. No, true. She does get good stuff to do, but I think I think it's just that, like, I'm, by by treatment of her, I mean inexplicably not giving her a solo movie yet. Um, well, so I'm not that surprised that another, she was a another bit thing. Of an it sounds like there's movement one. on though, doesn't it? Yeah. Um. I, I, yeah, I I think that while I I think she's no less underserved than Captain America. She's basically she is part of that group of characters, which is Cap, Black Widow, and Falcon, who turn up and have a few lines mm. each yeah they're kind of there to make up the numbers and also like part of the problem with that team is that they're they're a kind of espionage street level team yes they're not like they you can't have those guys taking out multiple aliens at once because they've basically got their fists and a couple of gadgets Mm. But at that moment when they turn up, I mean, yeah, I, I think Cap yeah, is. When, oh, when yeah, when they turn up for that one on one, when they, or they or turn that up two enough, on four, five, yeah. whatever it is, just oh, this, the silhouette of Cap. <clears> yeah, and, uh, you know that that was that was my first oh my punch the air moment of the film because you know my feelings on Cap anyway, and it was like and, Cap's here, everything's going to be all right. <laughs> and again, I, I'm going to keep shouting him out. Sylvestri in that moment <laughs> kills it. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, and then and then them coming in for the fight, and that's that's the thing. I think that they are underserved. They don't get a huge amount to do, but in plot terms, no one gets a huge amount to do. So it's it's more in terms of screen time. Mm-hmm. Those three do get the least screen time, but they do make a point of giving every character a moment at the very least and Black Widow gets her moment when yep. she fights Proxima Midnight and that scene is just cool as I can only hope a preview of oh hey look the <laughs> MCU has some pretty badass women here is here is Scarlet Witch and Black Widow and Okoye fighting Proxima Midnight yeah mm-hmm. uh Yes, please give me that movie. Hey, at least, yeah, the, the, this film is definitely one of the better Bechdel passing <laughs> MCU films. I mean, I would, I, I think you could probably throw uh, Wasp in there. I think you know, as I said, I thought, I thought Gamora was the MVP of this movie. You know, when the movie gives them stuff to do, they're <laughs> the movies give them stuff to do. They're really good. Um, and and of course, it's going to be a woman who shows up to save everybody in part two. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, um, and 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 we're there in Wakanda, where Shuri, who is one of our favorite characters from Black Panther, is. I mean, we said, did we say from the uh, trailer she probably gets two scenes, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and does she, does she get one and a half? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, as much as I love Shuri, not really, not really making much of an impact here. And obviously, Nakia is is not is not in the movie. Full stop. Um, so, yeah, I I just think that it was a it was a nice little tease from Marvel of, hey, what if we did? I, I mean, call it a force because everything's <laughs> it, you've got you've got your piece of IP there. Why the hell not? Yeah, um, I mean, a force is yeah, a terrible name, but it's a terrible name. But who cares? Uh, put 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 them in put put your female characters in a movie together, and if you if you don't have room for an Avengers movie in Phase Four, that should be your replacement. Um, and yeah, and I and I love that I love that fight scene. Uh, as as I said though, sore subjects. As the the end of Chris's question was easily the less the least of the original team, excluding Hawkeye. <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> What what did uh, Jeremy Renner do other than be Jeremy Renner that got him disqualified from this film? Uh, it's, it's... He's go- he's going to be an Ant Man and the Wasp, isn't he? He must. I be. I mean, the fact that he was mentioned in the same breath as Ant Man when they explained why he wasn't around suggests that maybe he is. Also, but at the I... same time, they, they, yeah. So they mention all of those at the same time, and I'm right in thinking. I think that in the post credits, Maria Hill says. Oh, I need to ring Clint, and then stops. So you can't. I'm I'm pretty sure she was about to say Clint. Um, I'm like I'm sure he'll be back in a future film. What surprises me is that they found no room for him in this one. Mm. Again, though, do you think it was a contract issue, and they were just like, well, you know, you've got one more film left on your contract, and we're not paying you for another. So I I really I really do wonder whether it is. I, I mean, my my theory still stands. I think whatever he's doing has something to do with Captain Marvel. He's on because mm, he, the Russo's be. kept saying he's on it. He's on a side <laughs> mission. To be fair, I I fell for like li- taking them too literally. They said they said oh, yeah, Hawkeye's just off doing his own thing, and they they did mean that. They just meant just but also off screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I still held out hope for him being in the end credits uh, sequence, which. Well, like I say, I was but... I was predicting that Hawkeye would be the guy who like saved the day at one point, and <laughs> it's like no, he's just <laughs> not in it. Yeah, but I still think he might save the day. I went in a Hawkeye t-shirt as well. <laughs> <laughs> I had my Captain America t-shirt. Um, can I? Can I? Well, because we've kind of mentioned to him, and it's kind of linked tangentially. Can I? Can I throw an Ant Man and the Wasp theory at you? <laughs> I wonder if it's the same one I've got. Um, so, because, yeah, I mean, I did think coming out of this, who the hell is going to want to see Ant-Man and the Wasp after this? <laughs> um, so, it's obviously not going to take place after um <laughs> If it this. did take place after this, it would be so I mean, ballsy. I don't know so, if it's like, been confirmed. Well, well, I guess, you know, everyone disintegrated, but let's get on with our lives. <laughs> well, I so don't the- know if it's been confirmed online, but I think... I think before and during. Well, I was I was going to say the the obvious thing is to go. Okay, well, it'll probably take place before. But what if it takes place kind of yeah, mostly before, but yeah. concurrently yeah. with, and then it ends with if, one okay. of the two of them my, disappearing. Yes. My no, feeling that's, that's is happening. either Ant Man post credits or final scene of the film is at least one, if not both of them, disappearing. I think likely one of them because of the fifty percent thing, and yeah. I think more likely Scott. Than yeah, Hope. yeah, yeah, it's and Ant- um, Ant-Man disappears at the end of that movie. Yeah, yeah. like probably. What do you reckon? Post credits or final scene? Mm, could be either. God, but imagine if I it's think imagine, final scene. <laughs> imagine, imagine if it's, if it's halfway it's, through. Yes, that's what I was saying. Imagine if it's halfway through. No. Oh God, that, but imagine though. I think I okay. Here's my theory. 
the the climax of the film is set in the microverse. They come yeah. out of the microverse just <laughs> as like having missed all of the build up. Just as Thanos wins and one of them disappears, because as we know, time moves differently in the microverse. Yeah, yeah. No, all all of that makes sense, and I, I yeah. Uh, again, a lot of people had asked us for our predictions of what we think was going to happen with Ant Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel. I think Captain Marvel's an easy one. It takes place in the nineteen nineties. We <laughs> post credit scene have... slash final scene is her in the present day receiving Fury signal. Uh, yeah. Well, we we may or may not see that in. I would be I, stunned I... if we don't see that. Yeah, I guess it's just. I just. I guess it's just a case of. Whether you do that right at the end of Captain Marvel or you do it right at the start of Infinity War Part 2. Or I, I think it, you know, the idea that anyone might not watch Captain Marvel between these two films seems small. But I think if were you to watch the Avengers films, you could quite easily cut from Fury summoning Captain Marvel to Captain Marvel on her way to Earth. And that leaves Captain Marvel receiving the signal for her own film. Um, seeing as though we're talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel, uh, we should talk about the post credit scene. Um, guys, I thought this was one of the best post credit scenes that Marvel has done. It, I, I thought it was I was really incredible. disappointed by it, but it's not the film's fault. It's my fault. <laughs> Be- because, because you were expecting a character reveal. Yeah, about, about... About an hour or so. In fact, I can pinpoint the moment. It was when I was walking from work to uh, to Manchester Piccadilly Station to get on the train to come back to Liverpool. All of a sudden, something popped into my head, and I was like, I, I convinced myself over the course of that walk, we are going to see Brie Larson in the costume as Captain Marvel in the post credit scene for this movie. So if I had not had that thought, then that post credit scene would have been fantastic. And just the fact that it was Fury and, and Hill was like, oh mm. shit, they haven't forgotten about Nick Fury. It was great. <laughs> but I spent that I spent the whole of that post credit scene going, is she going to turn up? Is she going to turn up? Oh, she's not going to turn up because it's about them two. Oh no, wait, but the pager and then the logo. And then when it was the pager, it was like, oh, we're not going to see her, are we? And the logo was a lovely touch and it was such yeah. a great way to do it. If you know There's some what seriously it was. custom firmware. Yeah. No, but it's um, it's... If you, it's not, it's not even if you know what it is. Like it's like me watching the Avengers for the first time. I don't know what that is, but I you want just know to go find. I, I know it's important, and I need to go find out. And so I go and find out, and then I find out it's Captain Marvel, and then I found out Captain Marvel's got a movie coming out next year before the Avengers four. Oh yes, brilliant! <laughs> but just it, just in context of the actual scene itself, I thought it did an incredible job because. You don't know if it's taking place before, during, or yep. after the the click. Mm. Um, until when he, until he goes to the car, and then you're like, okay. Well, yeah. yeah so the car oh, crashes. Sh- you're the like, car crashing. You're like, oh, the person driving that car has just disappeared. Well, no. So I didn't. I didn't immediately think that. It made me immediately back in my head. I'm thinking like, oh, it's like the scene in Winter Soldier. <laughs> um, and I'm like, oh, who is? Like, it's somewhat, is it someone coming after Fury or is it someone trying yeah, to get that's, his attention that's what I thought immediately? Until the car was empty. Yeah. Is it, is it like, Hawkeye? Okay. Uh, the, the, the car's empty and I'm like, oh shit. And then the, helicopter. the two of them, di- 
the t- yeah the helicopter it made that it helicopter gave, shot was like oh fucking hell <laughs> it gave the whole thing like real world context like yeah all yeah. we'd yeah. all we'd ever Scale. watched in this film was superheroes because there's no yeah. time to not and, do that and suddenly you're seeing a glimpse of the world outside them and i think it does a great job of doubling down on the impact of what you've just seen absolutely it's, and not, it, and just, it's, it's not just that, half of the superheroes it's half, it's half yeah. of everyone it's a uh, problem it's like, it's like a scene from the leftovers <laughs> it's a it's a problem that superhero fiction sometimes has and to draw a specific example i'm going to talk just about something comicsy for a minute but it's relevant because this is infinity war and a lot of the stuff it's got inspiration from is jonathan hickman's infinity I have a problem that I've talked about before with Jonathan Hickman uh, superhero comics, which is that he will often have absolutely huge, like world or universe shattering things happen, and he will only ever explore them in the context of what they mean to the assorted superheroes. Secret Wars did this massively. You know, Secret Wars destroyed the Marvel Universe and the Ultimate Universe and merged them together. And never once did you see how that affected civilians at all. It was only about the heroes. What was going on with the population of Earth when Battleworld was happening? Nobody knows because they didn't care. And the same, a similar thing happened like in his Ultimates run where like the pop, the entire population of half of Europe was wiped out by Reed Richards, evil Reed Richards, creating the city over like the entirety of Germany and some of Eastern Europe. And it was like millions of people have died here, but it doesn't matter because what matters is evil Reed Richards has built a big city and we need to defeat him. <laughs> and I, I, Hickman's not the only example, but he is an example that I have noticed conspicuously that so often these stories only look at the impact on the superhero community. So even though it's only a little moment, and even though it's only in the post credit scene, um, I, I really appreciated that moment of just that little glimpse of the effect that Thanos clicking his fingers has on Earth mm. and on yeah. ordinary people. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, uh, But then still with two of the people that we know well I yeah mean, Nick, uh, I, I liked as well the way that because it wasn't like that everyone disappeared in one second and obviously that makes sense on a on a kind of like a cinematic level that you can weave between them and show some of them disappearing and then mm. another one and then another one and then another <laughs> I, one. was it like age but, order alphabetical <laughs> order <laughs> it's just when the stones could be bothered getting to yeah. them um but i i I liked how then that in that in that post credit sequence it was like oh Maria Hills disappeared and I thought Nick Fury was fine <laughs> and then and then mother- and then he wasn't yeah and and that was really funny um, <laughs> and then and then yeah obviously the the Captain Marvel bit is is really cool the question that a lot of people as well were asking is what what we think is like has been going on with Captain Marvel where's she been but we've been we've been trying to answer that question ever since we heard the movie was set in the nineties and. It just could be any number of things, couldn't it? I mean, it? Like, my, it could... okay. So the question I want to know is if, like, obviously the answer to this question is because she didn't exist. But so why didn't Fury summon Captain Marvel during the invasion? Yeah. <laughs> and obviously, <clears throat> obviously the reason is she didn't exist, but they're going to have to come up with a story around that. So what I wonder is, is there something about Captain Marvel that she's specifically useful in the situation that, <clears throat> like, 
Thanos gets the Infinity Gems and wipes out half of the universe. Like, was there some kind of vision of the future or maybe cosmic awareness that, that told them this would happen and Fury's been waiting for it? Yeah, or she, has she has she refused <clears throat> to come back before now? Yeah, is she is she hiding out somewhere? Mm-hmm. Is she is she off world? Yeah, um, maybe she... maybe he did call her and she was busy. <laughs> Quite. <laughs> or I I even wonder whether you know you could because again like I I think we're going to see previous events in Avengers four, but I don't know whether we're going to see I don't know how we're going to see them. Maybe we're going to see them through the eyes of Captain Marvel, who kind of watches and goes. Yeah, they don't actually. They don't need me. Mm-hmm. They and I know they still don't need me. That oh, I, well, this now, is true. Now they, they won do. all those times without her, so yeah. it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I it feels like there's a lot of pressure on that movie now. Um, but my my, the, my my feeling is that Marvel get characters right, even if they get movies wrong sometimes, mm-hmm. and I. I don't know, I find it difficult to imagine a world where they don't get Carol Danvers right. Hmm. It just it just it just feels like Brie Larson is the right choice. Um and the exci- the excitement level is certainly there. So hopefully they can achieve with that movie what they achieved with Black Panther, which is basically a movie that hits top level antis- like excitement anticipation just before their big event movie turns up. <laughs> um but yeah, there's a there's a there's a lot riding on that character being a success if she's going to turn up and be like the deciding factor in in Infinity War Part Two. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a question that a lot of people have asked us. Uh, one of our one of our favorite uh, Twitter followers, Hasbaz, uh, previously mentioned <laughs> on the show, uh, previously appeared on the show. Um, he asked us what we thought our best guess for the title of Avengers 4 is. Now, I know, like, Zoe Saldana referred to it as Infinity Gauntlet at one point, except given that the gauntlet didn't look in a good state of repair at the end of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think that was predicated on the assumption that a lot of people had, which is that this would mo- this movie would end with Thanos completing the gauntlet, not that it would end with him completing the gauntlet and immediately using it, which... As a part of his plan is quite... You almost kind of expect that the villain will have the moment of completing it and have the kind of triumphant, you know, uh, gloating over it for a while before deciding to actually use it. But it's like... Whereas it's it's a desperation moment because he's yeah. about to die. Yeah. He's literally about <laughs> well, to die if he doesn't... Yeah. That great line, you should have gone for the head. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, he yeah. knows he was seconds away from being properly I fucked. D- I do like that the film can play with, you know, um, almost again reversing the classic thing of... Snap, you know, it, it's so often in this genre that victory will be snatched from defeat. And here, <laughs> yeah. you've got two moments where it's like, oh, they've done it. They've, you know, they've they've done what they needed to. They've saved it. And it's like, no, they haven't. Yep. Um, well, you know, first when she destroys the Mind Stone, and then he's like, no, it doesn't matter. I could just reverse time. And then, yeah, with Thor turning up and not quite killing him enough. <laughs> yeah, and it, and again, I think it bears repeating. Anyone who thinks that this movie lack stakes because all those characters are going to come back to life just just take all of those characters and imagine that they have been put in a very safe box <laughs> that they are all, any anyone who disappeared into dust <coughs> is probably going to be all right anyone who didn't remains at huge risk <laughs> so so uh yeah i i wouldn't worry about like this being a stakeless ending because i 
I really I, don't, I don't think, think it's it a stateless ending. I just think that, yeah, you know, if you had told me in advance, um, this film is going to end with a bunch of characters being wiped out. I might have expected to feel a bit more in the moment that it was happening than I actually did. Right, so let's go back to that. The Spider-Man moment, Seb, is... I think they put it in the Uh. wrong place in the order. They should have done that one first. No, 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 no. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter. It does, it does, because I watched it going, oh, well, this is a really nicely played scene, and it's really sad, and he's acting it really well, but... I've already seen too many other characters disappear that I'm tipped past the point where I believe that they're really gone. But it, it's not. It's not about the. It's not about the characters I know you disappearing. Say that now, it's, a, but it's no, but no, but that <laughs> that moment. That moment's not about Spider-Man disappearing. It's about Tony, and it's about Tony watching that in his like. Literally, this is his fear that he has had since the end of the Avengers. <laughs> he's had it for six years. True. Yeah, six years of an eight-year period. <laughs> he's he was he was at the at the the PTSD that starts in Avengers is then a through line through mm-hmm. Iron Man three through yeah, it motivates him in every other appearance. Yeah, it, like he's it, trying it, to stop this and he doesn't. Yeah, and and then it drives it drives his actions through Civil War as well. And it's yeah, and it's the, not it, only a failure; it's a failure on a scale he previously didn't imagine possible. Yes, it is. The the one thing that he has been trying to do in the more recent movies, which is, I don't think I am going to be enough. I don't think that I, I don't think that I am a permanent solution. And what I need to establish is a legacy. And he watches himself fail. And he and he, he watches, watches his legacy his, turn to dust. He watches his legacy turn to <laughs> dust in front of him. And his legacy turns to dust by saying, "I'm sorry, Mister yeah. Stark." Oh my. God, and Tom Holland, talk about nailing the big emotional mm-hmm. moment. Tom Holland kills it. I was literally, scene. I was watching that scene going, why are you making me watch Spider-Man die? I cannot yeah. handle this. <laughs> I, I, I like that he turned to dust as well, because I was like, ah, Ben Riley. <laughs> That's how it feels. <laughs> All right, I'll I, give you that one. <laughs> I also think, Seb, obviously what you wanted to see was that scene start on a big emotionally crushing moment. And then Peter out. What I liked is that it started. It started on a on a on a laugh because Bucky disappeared, and I was like, "Hey, he's gone." But in that in that final sequence, I know I beat up on Bucky a lot, but as ca- Thor is flying in and he's he's shooting his hammer. War Machine, who hasn't previously in in terms of like his suit being the most awesome, but when he's raining down those missiles on the gap in the fence, I'm like. Fuck yeah, War Machine. Scarlet Witch gets that enormous moment. Cap, who whose powers are limited, is is having this one-on-one showdown with Thanos. And Bucky stood there with his gun. With his gun. <laughs> no, firing, I'm sorry. Bucky gets, Bucky gets uh, a moment where um, he, after uh, Rocket has um, <laughs> lusted after his gun... Um, the the bit where he's spinning Rocket around and firing that's the the the, the Bucky and, and Rocket moment. But I think maybe not so much for you guys, but knowing that my mum's two favourite characters in the MCU are Bucky and Rocket, I just watched that and was like, oh, they made that moment for my mum, and it was like, I, I mean, my really my favourite Bucky moment, and then aren't a lot of pick, lot to pick from. My favourite <laughs> was just them turning up with a box and him being like, "Where's the fight?" Like he just knows he doesn't get to rest. 
Like I, I enjoyed that. Bucky's got a new identity. Did we catch? Yeah, no. Well, it, it, it was established in the post credits of Black Panther. Well, I'm not sure it was established. Well, it's really established that yeah. they were making him that specific character who is a specific character yeah, from Black Panther. I, like, I caught it happening in Black Panther. I didn't think they were going to stick with it. I guess I'd yeah. read online afterwards him just being referred to as the White Wolf now. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, that's the thing. But yeah, like, so, the thing that I do want to say is, though, anyone who still thinks Sebastian Stan is going to take over from Captain America is <laughs> officially high. Because he had, like, six words in this entire film. Or Anthony Mackie. It just... <clears throat> yeah. It, it doesn't It doesn't feel like there's, there is a replacement at this point. No. No. It, it, it like, what are they going to do? No, wait. There is a replacement. His name is Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth <laughs> is the new Captain America. <laughs> well, Not that he'll be Captain America. I just mean that I think Thor... Assume the role. Thor is fulfilling the role that Captain America was fulfilling for me during phase two <laughs> i think i think if steve dies in the next film he'll go away for a bit they'll bring back steve rogers without chris evans eventually i just i just mm. i just don't see them doing captain america without steve rogers at this point because there's no one who can take over convincingly and they've already used the the main candidates unless they go yeah. full on introducing like 50s commie smashing cap <laughs> i don't see that happening I just yeah, I just think at, the, at this point there's no one, there's no one there to. Yeah, I think Chris Chris Evans will probably be out one way or the other. Whether they do the death or the 1940s thing, he's he's yeah. gone after the next film. Steve Rogers might yet be back. Um, can I ask you guys about a couple of the of the small little things that we may or may not have spotted during the movie? Uh, no, um, no, I've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, is everyone aware now of the um, of the joke, the Arrested Development joke that's in there? Well, it's funny because I remembered it being talked about with that leaked footage, but then completely forgot about <coughs> it until I saw the credits mention it. And I was like, what the hell was that? And I had to look it up afterwards. <laughs> yeah. So so there is a, there's a moment in the credits that says, like... Um, Special thanks to Arrested Development for use of copyrighted character or something like that. Yeah. And um, is it actually? Is it actually? Uh, David it's not Cross? actually David Cross. No. It's it's just it's just it's just so there is yeah, a blue man to There is yeah. yeah. There's a blue. There is a blue alien in one of the collector's pods who looks like Tobias, um, which is which is funny. Um, Incidentally, so so is the do we reckon is the collector dead? Again, like, uh, we didn't see uh, him uh, die, uh, so he is Schrodinger's collector. Cause, but I mean, do we yeah. do we assume that Thanos killed him before they got there in order to do that I, illusion, I or I do we was, think he's scarpered? I think you assume whatever gives him most satisfaction, and if they want to use the collector again, or if they want <laughs> to use his death, they'll make it more explicit. Yeah. Um, another little thing, un- uncredited in the on the imdb is an actor called callan mulvey who is uh one of like the prime goons in winter soldier he's like he's like brock rumlow's second in command almost <laughs> did anyone spot him uh, or, or where he could have been no no i i'm gonna have to go i'm gonna have to go back and see that because he's got a very distinctive face and i just wonder why why he would be in there i'm not sure i, I trust imdb <laughs> No, but yeah, but a lot, a lot of the rest are 
are correct. Um, some of the other like really tiny cameos. Um, I thought Ned on the on the bus, <laughs> and I'll call him Ned because that's Ganky. what he says on IMDb. But I do mean Ganky, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I thought I thought he was really great, and obviously, and that's your Stanley cameo there, very early on. I love, and, uh, the thing I love about the Ned thing is when Peter's like create me a distraction and then he just sees what's happening and like properly freaks <laughs> just, out <laughs> yeah <laughs> i did i did see someone say on twitter uh that i think it might have been pixelated boat i saw retweeted saying uh for the first time a stanley cameo is unfortunately a sad reminder of elder abuse yeah, mm. yeah it's a shame uh, um sorry to bring one... things down there but <laughs> yeah Let's 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 pivot to something uh, nice and, and positive. Uh, one of my favorite performances in the movie was from Tom Vaughn Lawler, who played Ebony Moore. Um, I I expected him to be someone who I knew, like as in you know a, a name or someone relatively well known, just because of how prominent they made him in that first half hour or so. And and the, that the voice is chilling it's yeah. really really chilling it, it really works the character he's very gentleman um, from buffy <laughs> yes yeah yeah absolutely um but yeah I, I i thought he was great um the the black order in general i was kind of surprised by how quickly got they got dispatched i mean i i actually thought that um the ebony i didn't realize that ebony moore was dead until they kind <laughs> of like at, he, they were asked, and he went, oh yeah, no, he's dead. <laughs> they, I'm not sure they named them at any point. They definitely really... named Ebony Moore. Yeah, definitely They might have named Deb- him, um... but the others... Also, I was a bit thrown by the fact that Ebony Moore turns up with another one of the... I, I was just a bit... Curl Obsidian. I wasn't sure how many... I just didn't know how which of them were actual ones of the four and which might have just been like henchmen. Guys, yeah. Um because it was only really Proxima Midnight and Ebony Moore that got to say anything. It was kind of like those two were the main ones and then the other two were kind of their henchmen essentially. But then I'm not sure if there were any other characters with them at any point. I don't know, no, it just it didn't so. really it work for small. me as something that other other than you know, Ebony Moore because he had a completely different physique and style and voice and Proxima Midnight because she was female and spoke. But the other two just seemed interchangeable and there could have been three or four of them throughout the film performing the same. There was a reference made to one of them having... They got angry that one of them had been killed. I don't know which one it was oh, and I don't no, know that's... when it happened. Oh, no, so that's the... So that was that was the fake-out. So, um, so uh, th- there are four of them. Uh, Ebony Moore is obviously the one that we all know who yeah. who pins Dot Strange down with the spikes. The he gets wizard. killed, yeah. yeah, and and he gets killed with um, a no, but- slight a slightly better Peter Parker pop culture reference than the one we got. In <laughs> I do like Civil they've War. established Peter Parker as someone who says from that really old movie, which yeah. Like, I, I, I like, like, I don't like think they went War, far like enough it with it. I, all of a sudden, when you had the two Peters in the same scene, it was like, oh, you've got a kid who likes old stuff that to him is old because it's from the 80s, and a guy who left Earth as a kid who knows that 80s stuff. That's and that a was nice my favourite version of it, though. There. 
that was my favorite version of it when they did the Footloose thing. Yeah. And he was like, he was like, oh, like Footloose, you know, Foot-. and then he's like, he's like, is, is Kevin Bacon still the Earth's Mightiest Hero? He, he, he never no, it just was. Is, is Footloose still the greatest movie ever? Oh, it yes, never that's was. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, mm, I mean, it's pretty good. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, um, so Ebony Moore's that one. Uh, the big guy is is um, Cull Obsidian, mm-hmm. who I think is Black Dwarf in the comics, who's been renamed Cull Obsidian yeah. for the movie. He was played by Terry Notary, who's the uh, mocap performer who's done like a lot of the ape stuff. Um, and who can and also it, it, uh, get your documents stamped and authorised if you if you ever need to. <laughs> Great. Um, and I believe I believe that Little he gets joke, <laughs> he gets killed by Hulk, doesn't he? Right, does he actually get killed? Because I think there was a point where I was like, because these are characters who can get kind of smashed into the ground, uh, I don't know, there was just a... I didn't realise that one of them had died. Yeah, so Banner kills him, then there is Proxima Midnight, and Proxima Midnight is with Corvus Glaive. Right. And Proxima Midnight and Corvus Glaive are the two that get attacked by Black Widow and Cap in the train station. They get away, but Ebony... uh, But, uh, sorry... Um, but Corvus Glaive is injured and when Proxima Midnight turns back up, Black Widow makes a comment like oh, you're on your own now and she says something like uh, he succumbed to his injuries uh, but but you know, I'm going to avenge him basically um, but that is Proxima Midnight pretending that he's dead so that when Scarlet Witch leaves protecting Vision and Shuri yeah, he's that's, that's when that's when Corvus Glaive attacks <clears throat> Right. And that's what that I liked. Bit, I and think that's... that bit was not super clear because I didn't really understand that was happening until I thought about the scene again, and I was like, "Oh wait, okay." Uh, that, but I, I re- what I really liked about that part of the scene was um, that that big moment with Scarlet Witch, which is amazing when she turns up down on the battlefield and says, uh, and like, you know, suddenly destroys all her scenes. Like, why, you know. <laughs> is it Okoye who says it? Yeah. Wait, why is she? Why is she being back? <laughs> why there? wasn't she here from the start? Why was yeah. she here, here from the start? Cut to this is why she wasn't here from the start. <laughs> and I think the movie does a really good job of that. That like it, superhero movies struggle with that. There was two or three occasions where I was like, why didn't Doctor Strange just do his kaleidoscopy thing from the start? Oh, because he's only been pretending to have the soul, the time stone around his neck the whole time, <laughs> and it's about to be. There was there was quite a few moments like that where I was like, oh, they've they've done a good job of establishing. I do still want to know why he didn't just teleport Thanos' arm off with his portal. If I was being really dickish about it, because they do that to one of the characters at the start, don't they? Yeah, yeah, making it clear that it is possible. <laughs> Incidentally, yeah. though, he no, he does really have the time stone with him for a while because he uses it to view the possible futures it's yeah. only so after then he, that then he that hides, he hides it, it after that when yeah. Thanos comes to get him but could he not have still got it out and used it to reverse yeah but he's, he's seen all the possible futures and Thanos. if you reverse what Thanos has done uh, he, he's just going to come and win again yeah I suppose yeah <laughs> I don't think it's a plot hole um, no, I don't think it's quick- a plot because also no, I, I think I think a better explanation for why couldn't you use the time stone is the gauntlet is what enables Thanos to actually use the stones 
to perform their function. Like when when Strange uses the Time Stone, he kind of has access to some of its power and ability and can use it to do certain things, but he can't use it to just go, I am going to manipulate time in any way, shape or form that I need to because you need to have something like the Infinity Gauntlet to actually get the stones to to bend to your will kind of thing. It's similarly to, like, you can't just pick up a reality stone and use it to rewrite reality. <laughs> but if you've put it in the Infinity Gauntlet, its power is unlocked to you. Does that make sense? That's That, that was my interpretation of what the gauntlet is for, basically. I'll tell you what I did like about the stones. I liked how Thanos used them individually. No, not all of them, because yeah. uh, he doesn't ha- he doesn't have the mind stone for long enough, um, and the soul stone. I guess there's there's no certainly in this movie. I guess the soul stone is the is the key to actually but, wi- wiping all out all the light. But they the have end. distinctive powers, and he uses their yes. distinctive powers to do specific things mm-hmm. with them in fights. Yeah, and in and in a really nice way visually. Like I thought, the reality stone was used really effectively a few times. How quickly did you guess that was what was going on? I I was do you know what I was most surprised by that he used it to create bubbles twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, well I've mastered that one, so <laughs> Yeah. It's like Why not? it's like the it's like the first scene of Doctor Strange, like <laughs> right at the start of his training. Like yeah. Thanos, you should have you should have progressed past this. <laughs> um just, that just said, quick... with, with the stones, is there I've I've I struggle to understand the difference between uh the power stone and what's the tesseract the space stone isn't it? The so space tran- the space is what is what creates the portals. Yeah. That's how oh, it's space, space, space stone. Is, the space stone lets you transport stone. from right. one yeah. place to another. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, all all of the gems have some like inherent power that can be harnessed for sort of basic energy projection. But I'm sure that in Captain America, the Tesseract was just more a general power thing. Well, that's the thing. Than... In in Captain America, it's being used to power their weapons. Yeah. But also, it has the teleporty effect. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. in fact, they, they explain, don't they, in, um, in Captain America, they have the thing with the world tree, don't they? And he says something like, it can, you can use it to travel along the world tree. Yeah, it's like it, that's that's where it's hidden. David <coughs> yeah. Brad, David Bradley's yeah. like no, actually, David... I mean, no, yeah. Now, now that you say it, yeah, the fact that the space stone is about movement in in space makes yeah. sense. Oh, actually, yeah. ju- I think it's just the fact that it, that because it was introduced before they had decided it was an infinity stone. Um, it was <laughs> I'm not, a, it you was know, I'm not sure it was thing. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure it was because by Avengers, like by Avengers, it's definitely an infinity stone, and I feel like that was close enough that they knew that's where it was going. Because like Thor, I think, Thor uses it to teleport back to Asgard at the end of Avengers. I think they knew the. I think they knew the Tesseract was an Infinity Stone the whole time. Yeah, me I too. Think the, mind, the Mind Stone is the one that got retconned. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but like again, a, a little plot thread from Avengers that they cleared up. Um, very end of the scene with um, Heimdall. Like just before Heimdall dies, he makes a reference to letting dark magic flow through him. And that's oh, does he? Yeah, he says like, "Let the dark magic flow through me one more time before he dies," and that's how he teleports Thor, uh, Hulk. Hmm. 
And that's a reference to in Avengers when Thor says something like, do you know how much dark magic we had to summon to to get me to Earth? Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. And that's how he did it. And that's that's a uh, that has been a bad retcon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do they do like painting themselves into a hole and then finding a way out of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, is are there any of the characters that you think we haven't really um, spoken about enough? I mean, I know there are so many of them, um, and and like everyone gets a moment. I mean, like we talked about other characters around Groot, I guess, but I kind of. I, I Groot has very fun. little to do in this film, doesn't he? He just has the two yeah. cool moments, two or three. He has, he, he has I just a... don't want Groot to be Teen Groot anymore. I, you, have I you noticed actually? Back. Have you noticed how <laughs> James Gunn has spent like a year saying, "Oh no, no, Groot! This is a new Groot. It's a different Groot. <laughs> this is the son of Groot." And then mm. in this film, Rocket is explicitly saying to him, "I liked you better when you were the old Groot." Yeah, <laughs> like well, so clearly because he says something like "since you became yeah a since you became li- little or something," yeah. like clearly the Russos did not get the memo about whether that was Groot or Groot's offspring. Um, Mantis gets some jokes. Gets. Go on. So, so when you said Mantis gets her moment in your Den of Geek review. <laughs> well, she gets the moment of like holding back Thanos, which is a pretty. Oh big yeah, no, I, I thought that was I thought that was really that the start of that scene I thought was really well done actually, and I thought it was nice for Mantis to actually get something to do and, and feel. She also important. got the the good line. Let's, uh, uh, what was it? Kick names and take ass. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And there was so there was a lot of good Drax stuff. Yeah, but again, again, it's like solid comedy support. Um, I feel like oh, he God, got his emotional thing as well. Of like, he got to confront Thanos and was found extremely wanting. Yeah, yeah but also it's <laughs> again as you the would thing expect. that got me about that was it's not Thanos who killed his family. It's it was Ronan. He's already had his thing of I've I've met the guy who killed my family. Yeah, but then Thanos, I mean, that's, the, that's, that's, like, that's the yeah, that's the punchline at the end of Guardians, really isn't it? Thanos. Yeah, uh, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to talk about Tony Stark because I, I don't think we've talked about him a huge amount. And yeah, like I said, rewatching all these films, I, I think he is the most interesting character. And I think that he is, he is the, he's the biggest catalyst of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, through things he decides to do at various points. Um, and this, does this does feel like the beginning of the end for him, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It does feel yeah. like, and and I loved. I'm I'm kind of embarrassed that I only realised afterwards. I kind of I went through the thing of getting annoyed that the film had set up for him to be killed, and then pulled back from it. And then it wasn't until a little while afterwards that I was like, oh, of course, it's because he's going to die in part two. <laughs> yeah, and and also, so he's. He's stuck up there with who's left? Is it just him and Nebula? Him and Nebula on Titan, yeah. Yeah, no, no one else survives, right? All of the Guardians go. Doctor Strange goes. All of the Guardians. Uh, Ro- Rocket, yeah. yeah, Rocket survives. Sorry, uh, sorry, I meant yeah. yeah, all of the all of the Guardians on space. Yeah. Does yeah. does Groot survive or does Groot disappear? Groot disappears. Groot disappears. Yeah, you see oh, Groot okay. disappear in front of Rocket. Yes, yes. But that's yeah, right, Peter course, yeah. Peter Quill goes. Doctor Strange goes. Uh, Drax goes. Yeah. 
and Spider-Man, actually, Spider-Man goes, and then it's just Nebula uh, and uh, Tony Stark. Yeah, I thought the I thought the Tony Stark stuff up on Titan at the end was was really really strong. I loved the the, the showdown with Thanos, and just I think Downey Junior really sells the desperation that I don't think you quite get on Wakanda, but because. Because it's more of like a group of people fighting and one person running up to Thanos and another person, another person. With Tony, it really feels like this is the last stand. And Thanos actually takes the time to have a conversation with you, with him. And, and that, that conversation is another one of those great Thanos moments where Thanos is like, yeah, I, I know who you are, Tony Stark. I've, and I've got respect for you and I hope they remember you, but also <laughs> get out of my way. And I, I just, I just, I thought it was what it was a, a really great scene. I think, I, I, I think that Tony, Tony Stark as a character sometimes doesn't, doesn't get his due for the emotional depth. I think we think of him as the quippy asshole, and we don't always think about like the the journey that he's been on. And watching these films back to back to back to back, that journey tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, and watching him here very close to the end of the line. Um, I, I just think that Robert Downey Jr. brings so much more to that character that we we take for granted. And uh, yeah, that, that, that showdown scene with Thanos, I thought was, I thought was fantastic. And I, and I really liked the interplay throughout with Doctor Strange as well. And that last moment of like b- between Strange and, Stark, which uh, that I, I'm sorry, Tony, but it does kind of, it does kind of set things up, and I almost wonder whether is the has there been one more clue drops that we haven't spotted yet? Is is this is there anything else that Strange says at some point that could that could point towards it? Like does Stark have an idea of what the what the journey to victory is? I'm sure. Well, I I'm pretty sure what happens is. During one of the scenes where we were somewhere else, Strange says to Stark, like, this is the plan. We have to do this to beat Thanos. And the film lets you believe that it's getting the gauntlet off him. So that's what they try and do. But actually, I think Strange says, we have to do this. Like, we've got to let him get the stones and win. And Stark being a control freak is like, I don't accept that. Let's try and get the gauntlet off him. And yeah. that's why Strange isn't even helping out during that scene with the gauntlet. Yeah, that's true. Because he knows, like, there's no point us doing that. Yeah. Like, he's just minim. If he's involved, mm-hmm. it's minimally. Whereas, and yeah, like, I think Stark now, because he says, doesn't he? He says, now we're in the end game or something. Yes. And yeah. what that means is. I'm going to disappear soon, so you have to finish what I told you to do. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Strange, not afraid of dying to save the day. Nope. <laughs> like I say, this is one trick. Um, Can I, just while we were on the subject of Stark, say something yes. that I suspect James won't agree with, but I think that's the best Iron Man armor design they've had. I really no. like the roundedness. Incorrect. Of Incorrect. It. <laughs> I, I, I thought... It was. It actually looked different and interesting, and different from the previous ones. I am like even around the face, which doesn't usually change. But I liked the the roundedness of it. No, I thought you're it was wrong. Great. You're very wrong. I knew James, you were going to say that. I knew you were going to. This is. Um, this looks like his extremist armor. Yeah, 
Uh, no, extremists. The extremist armor was the, the extremist oh, no, one sorry, is the um... one that's very very thin and, and no, like, no, it, it looks like, like the it looks like the bleeding edge armor, which is the it's... the one that's made of nanites that lives in his bones. That's but is that not from the extremist story? No, extremist was something that let him get to bleeding edge. But the extremist armor, I think, is the one the Adigranov design. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it, it reminded me of the comic that you recommended me on the podcast, and it with the nano with the nanotech and slightly more rounded. I'm, I'm going to have to quickly um, Google that. I honestly, I don't care how it looks. Um, it, I, I like its function in the movie, and I, I and I liked the parts of it disappearing and Tony suddenly being incredibly vulnerable at certain, <laughs> certain moments when, like, the helmet had been smashed to pieces, and could it could it kind of grow back in time? I, I thought that looks really cool. Yeah, I'm the reason I'm not a fan, like, in the comics of the Bleeding Edge Armor and in this movie, it's just that I think Nanites is a really lazy plot device, and also it kind of leaves you with I mean, nowhere I'm, to go. I'm, I'm not talking about where it comes yeah, from or what it goes, I'm just talking go. about how it looks. Um... I just, I just think when it's fully on, I think yeah, the look no, of it I, is I prefer great. the armors that look more mechanical. Like this one, it's too, it's too sleek. It doesn't look like a suit <laughs> of armor. Yeah, but like you know, post the original clunky one, there was a long period of time where Iron Man's armor didn't look like a suit of armor. It just looked like a costume. <laughs> like like seven like late sixties and then seventies. Oh, well, that, that's because it's it. Like that's because it was like gauntlets <laughs> with you know metallic foil or whatever over the arms <laughs> <laughs> exactly so this was you know it's nice and traditional yeah um i think we're nearly i think we're nearly at the end of this discussion because i think we <laughs> talked about nearly everyone uh, i've really i've realized something we haven't talked about though um jim paxton do you think he is still in existence or do you think he's gone <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that's uh, Cassie Lang's stepdad. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he's uh, he's. Oh, I always forget the actor's name, but yeah, he's got to still be around. You Bo- know Bobby, Ca- Bobby Cannavale. Bobby Cannavale. He's 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 still around. You can't get rid of what a about... stepdad. Not that easily. <laughs> what about Doctor Wu? He removes from, the from Jurassic he removes... Park. No, from... <laughs> he's the doctor who removes the uh, arc reactor from Tony's chest <laughs> at the end of Iron Man Three. <laughs> And I think is in some extended scenes. I was going to say he he disappeared from the rest of the world, but not from China. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so actually, so you, you you were asking about you know have have we talked about various guys? I mean, we we've talked about Steve a bit, but I mean, I think I think he's just not in it. I was going to say I, just... I think I think you know that I will be I will be quite disappointed by the fact that he's not in it as much as he should have been. Is that a problem for you guys, or does it not really matter because you don't care about Captain America as much? I don't know. Actually, no, Joe, you care about Captain America. No, yeah, no. Uh, it's <clears throat> it's it's not a problem, and here's why. Because he's, he's going to be not, in part two a lot more? Because he's going to be in part two a lot more, <laughs> and because um, he's not Captain America right now, so it's kind of like a, a different version of the character. He looks great. He still has two of the most air punch moments of the movie. Um, and I just don't think he's a, he's a good match for Thanos in this film. There's uh, The other characters are more suited to taking him on. The only one who 
who's not really, who's like less powered, who gets a lot of interactions with Thanos' Star-Lord, but they establish the kind of the personal connection, personal motivations for why he has more, he has more of a fight here. So yeah, I, I think it's a shame, but also I just expect him to be a huge part of the next movie. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. I th- I do think the next movie is going to be a more traditional Avengers film in that it will have an arc for those characters that they follow through to the conclusion. I think this was their big like you know operatic insane action movie and the next one will be more about the idea of the Avengers. I still can't get over the facts of how how little of a film this movie feels. Mm-hmm. I know it's. I know it seems counterintuitive, but I just it's just a bunch only, of stuff that happens. <laughs> I've only seen it once so far. I I don't know how I would possibly. I'm I'm going to have to put it into my MCU rankings. I don't I don't know how you could possibly compare it to a film like uh, well like the the first Avengers. I think is the closest that comes to it, but the first Avengers still has. A lot more of a classical structure. It still has more of an arc of our, you know, of watching our heroes. It still has room to breathe. It still has more in its mind in terms of what our characters are thinking and feeling and what's motivating them. This is just incident after incident, action scene after action scene, and huge moment after huge moment, it just doesn't feel <clears throat> like any of the others. I like one and of the things I, I said... I don't think... I don't, sorry, James. I was just going to say, I don't think it reaches for me the heights of the ones that I'm like, this has a superhero that I can latch onto, it has a theme that I can latch onto, it has this, it has that, it has this, it has that. But it's so watchable because it's just fun. <laughs> it's just this it's is fun but it's, it's I, fun but it's threat something i think fun. i said in one of my reviews is that it's like an entire movie of post-credit scenes because it's just like <laughs> we're gonna push your fan buttons here and here and here and here and here hmm. and the whole movie just goes on like that until it ends and like yeah there's no story and there's no theme and there's no like big idea that gets explored and there's no arc for the characters but it's Marvel doing a kind of brainless popcorn action movie and showing, well, those movies can work if you give people a reason to care about what happens in them. Yeah, yeah. Like, I can't imagine coming to this and enjoying it if I wasn't already invested. But I am invested, so I do enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I realise that one, the kind of the one side plot that we haven't really touched on that we, probably before we bring this to a close, um, the Scarlet Witch and Vision stuff. Um, I like. I really like Vision in Age of Ultron, um, and I like Paul Bettany's performance a lot. I, I kind of accepted his loss at the end of this, <laughs> and also you didn't really care. No, I. I just don't. I. I don't think the his subsequent appearances have lived up to the promise of Age of Ultron. And I don't really invest in the Scarlet Witch relationship. And at this point, I I don't really know what function Scarlet Witch has in in the MCU, other than she's really powerful. I think I don't I I don't think she's unsalvageable. But I just that 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 whole 
that whole arc of the movie, I just kept thinking these are characters that I care about less than the other characters. I think they they did sort of a lot to make their relationship sort of believable and try and get me invested yeah. in it. Like it, it felt to me, obviously Vision's going to die because they were spending a lot of time in sort of making you care about him and what he wants and what he feels. And so I thought, well, obviously they're doing that <clears throat> because they're going to get rid of him later on. Part of the problem I had with the Vision's arc in the movies generally is that he's introduced in Age of Ultron as like this special and rare and, you know, beautiful thing that needs to be protected and understood. And actually what happens is he's just a sort of normal guy. And they don't really expand on those ideas that he's something unique. Well, they they reference it in this movie, don't they? Say, you're not just... You could survive without the stone because you're a mix of the stone mm-hmm. and Banner and Stark and Ultron. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, you're you're all of those things. Um, but also, <laughs> in Age of Ultron, he was something more. Yes, and, and that's, that's I think, that that, that that is what they haven't fulfilled the potential yeah. of. And it will be yeah. interesting to see if that like maybe he dies and it has ramifications later on. Like they need him and he's not around anymore because they failed. Like that might be interesting, but as it is, I've, it just feels like potential down the drain. And you I don't really want to see him back. Of the three deaths, non non dust in the wind deaths that we get in this movie, uh, uh, the three major ones anyway. Sorry, Heimdall. Um, <laughs> I think the movie does a really good job with them. I think they're all emotionally affecting. I think the Loki death is heartbreaking, sets the tone. I think the the Neb the Gamora death, um, is I uh, yeah for for me hit really hard at that point of the movie, and Vision just from you know for for a guy who is a like android with a stone in his head. <laughs> The way that Thanos removed the stone, yeah, it's it, it's, it's brutal. Oh. Is how it actually happens is brutal. Yeah, and then just throwing that kind of grey corpse down to the ground. It's because they spend yeah. so much time on the idea that, like, oh, you've got to take the stone out. It's got to be a very delicate procedure. Like, we have to individually yeah. disconnect every neuron, and then <laughs> Thanos comes along and just pulls it out. It it did remind me a little bit of an old Superman comic, uh, early in John Byrne's Superman run, um, with Metallo who has a kryptonite heart, um, you know, metallic robot supervillain with a kryptonite heart, and then he gets captured by Lex Luthor's goons. So he's in this, like, complicated lab, and he's, like, strapped to this table, and all of Lex Luthor's scientists are trying to figure out how to carefully remove the kryptonite without killing him, and Lex Luthor just walks up and rips it out. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Um, Let's not end this discussion talking about uh, DC though, uh, do, do you guys have? Do, is is there any moment from this movie that we haven't mentioned? I guess I don't know. I just kind of want to talk about the Stormbreaker stuff again. <laughs> I <laughs> it was I just one. It's just one of those everything I want to see from a superhero movie kind of thing. <laughs> I didn't watch the second trailer, so I was really like, I've watched it since, but I nearly died laughing at the. Oh, we're using our made up names. <laughs> oh yes yeah, yeah i mean we haven't yeah we haven't i guess we haven't talked about peter Lode. cg does get a lot of fun stuff in this but i think it's just yeah he gets the quips um 
I think I saw Tom Holland saying that, like, the, he was filming scenes sometimes that he didn't know who he was fighting or what he was doing. <laughs> um, and I, I certainly think, in terms of the Spider-Man of this movie, he kind of like, oh, he swings past and then he fires some webs. And there's not much. I, I don't walk away from this movie going, oh, Spider-Man's cool. Although that um, shot of him swinging off the Brooklyn Bridge, I was like, yes. <laughs> and then when he turns up and he's like hey mr were. stark i was like yes because they get the they get the silhouette perfectly when he's swinging off the brooklyn bridge yep. like it's it's a spider-man silhouette that mm-hmm. you've seen a lot and like in him comics. in his in his clothes with just the mask on and yeah. then when he's on the on the ship and he gets the new suit like that was a yes moment i, I, I he, like the, the parachute <laughs> deploys and he's like oh come on <laughs> I like I just, that it, I love it's so very clear the that moments. there's a good reason for him to be in the suit mm-hmm. and it's only for this movie. You know, we're, we're, people worried when we saw it in the trailers of, oh, yeah. they're making that <clears throat> Spider-Man's costume. It's like, no, it, it's very clearly yeah, you can totally for this see, reason. You can totally see a homecoming opening <clears throat> with him being like, uh, Mr. Stark says I can't have that until, you know, I'm on the payroll or something. Uh, I think he did more for you than he did for me. Although, James, I did make that exact yeah, same noise in that scene where <laughs> where Hawkeye returned and, oh, no, wait. <laughs> that didn't happen. Um, speaking of which, uh, a, a, another character who didn't show up, who I'm assuming has been turned to Black Dust and has uh, sailed away into the wind and is going to be the one character not to be resurrected, um, is Sharon Carter. Because... <laughs> <laughs> that moment where they kiss is still the the worst thing that the MCU has done. And if we want to give Cap his perfect moment at the end of Avengers Four when he gets transported back to the nineteen forties and finally has to finally gets to the Swan Club for that dance with Peggy, you have to write that moment out of existence. You know, the so. more we talk about that happening to Cap, the more convinced I am that it's going to happen. Oh no, yeah, no, you've you've sold me on that idea. I am. <laughs> I yeah, I've, I've said I, I'm going to be so disappointed when when that doesn't happen. <laughs> I think Tony dies. I think Cap goes back to the forties, and maybe Hulk dies. Shut your I think mouth. Black Wid- I think Black Widow survives. I think Hawkeye survives. Yeah, maybe maybe you do the ultimate twist. You kill Star Lord and do a Guardians three without him. <laughs> imagine <laughs> it would never happen but it would be great have we have we got any predictions for Avengers 4 kind of the structure of that story to, I, I mean other than we think those characters are going to come back I mean towards I, the end towards the end of the movie but like structurally how do we think they're going to attack it I think structurally it will be about the original six Avengers reuniting six seven the original six. the original Avengers Six? Yeah. <laughs> Hang on. Yeah. Iron Man, Thor, Captain, Captain America, America, Hulk, Hawkeye, Black, Black Widow, Widow, Hawkeye. Yeah, six. It'll be the original six Avengers reuniting, and like they will be the ones who defeat Thanos eventually. And obviously, we'll have everyone else and, come back. Well, and and Captain Marvel, who is going to have to play a big part. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I think maybe Captain Marvel's how Iron Man gets back to Earth. Could that? Oh, that he's got the rockets thing? on his suit. Surely he can just fly. His back. suit's dust though. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. We will see. I'm, we will I'm see. certain. Okay, shall I tell you? Uh, since since we're doing this, my theory for Avengers Four. I even have a title lined up. 
Go on. I Hang think... on. Are we, are we doing titles now? Are we not saving that? <laughs> <laughs> I think we should just do it. Let's, Let's just, just do, do it. it yeah. For a caution to the wind. <laughs> so I think, I think the Infinity Stones are fried, but malfunctioning. Well, no. I think the place you can still find the Infinity Stones is before they were used. So the Avengers, the original six Avengers, travel to the past to get the but Infinity Stones. How do they Stones. travel to the past? Tony Stark is a brilliant engineer. And now that he knows time <laughs> can be manipulated, he does that. Like, he builds essentially a time platform. And my... I, I'm not sure how to tie Captain Marvel into this. Maybe she's got the power to do it. But I think the film is going to be called Avengers Forever. And they're going to do a time travel Avengers story. Okay, Avengers Forever is a good title, except it's already been done with Batman Forever, but otherwise I like that as a title. And also Wakanda Wakanda Forever. forever. Well, that's that's why I think they'll call it that, because it plays off Wakanda Forever. Uh, Can we have M'Baku in the the suit? He's he's like the one. He's the guy. That's like, I think I mean, Mbaku will be Akoye, staying but... in Wakanda and be like, "I'm going to stay here and look after my homeland." You, uh, you, ev- your every moment, every moment that they, they cut back to Mbaku and he was doing his war chants, I was like, "Yes, yes, Mbaku, you are the best." <laughs> that just that the, the sound of those chants are intoxicating to me, <laughs> and I love the moment. I love the moment where like um, T'Challa thanks him and he's just like. Yes, of course, brother. And I'm like, yes! Oh, they're best friends now! <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that made me happy. Seb, I... do, do, do you have a prediction for Avengers 4? Uh, I, I, I don't know if I have a prediction for what happens. Um, do you have an, a, a, an idea that you would like to see happen? Uh, I just... Uh, I'm still processing what happened in this to try and figure out what I possibly think could happen in the next one, other than that I want James's ending for Captain America because I, I don't yes, want him we, to die we horribly. Um, it's not even about, Seb, it's not even just about dying horribly. It's about getting him back for that dance. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's, that's we, how his story ends. And how um, Peggy's story. Yes. Um, I uh, I have a title suggestion because that's what I anticipated that we that we would have to think of. Um, <laughs> the end, Avengers: The End. This is from a Red Dwarf fan because the end is <laughs> the end is the beginning, isn't it, Seb? Well, there is that. Yeah, I mean, it could be Avengers. There's the Marvel the line of comics: The End. So it's an established brand. Yeah. The problem with that is I can Im- only imagine the marketing people going like. No fucking way you saying that this film is the last one because we have toys to sell. Yeah, but similarly, you know, the marketing you know, if you if you make it Avengers Forever, that means the next one has to be Avengers and Robin. So <laughs> And then Avengers would, begins. I am sure Chris O'Donnell would much rather be in the Marvel universe than the DC universe. Um Can I what uh, about Avengers colon Finity War Finite War. <laughs> Outfinity War. Um, can I can I throw in at this point, just before we run out of time to do it, a, a late breaking uh, Twitter DM question that I, I think is one we we should address. Yeah. Yes, uh, fantastic. So this has come in. This has come in while we've been recording uh, from Nicholas Rollins, various Nick on Twitter. I mean that narrows it down to a twenty four hour period. 
<laughs> uh, if it's not too late to submit a question for this episode, do you think it was a dubious choice to make a Nazi the one responsible for guiding people to the universe's manifestation of the concept of soul? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think yeah, my answer to that question is yes. It is too late to submit a question for this episode. <laughs> I think the Red Skull has spent a lot of time thinking about what he done, and he's decided. Also, actually, I think oh no, he's an ass. He's an asshole. He leads a villain to that concept. He, he <laughs> like, would have led anyone there, though. Anyone who also, yeah. was bothered to was the Red Skull really a Nazi, or was he just using the Nazis for his own ends? Like, yeah, was, right. did he actually they, believe the ideology? Uh, he was certainly he's a just, fascist. He's just he's just the Nazis, but worse. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. Um, apologies to anyone who did who did send up in a question, but we didn't uh, directly mention it. That's basically because I think you uh, had asked questions that we'd already re- um, addressed on the podcast. Um, but thanks, thanks to everyone who did get them in. So hopefully we didn't leave anyone's question unanswered. Um, one more cash- question. Uh, Stakara God, is he <laughs> dust? <laughs> Bet- Betty Brandt, she dust. <laughs> oh yeah, but Betty Brandt is in this universe, isn't she? I was just yeah. picturing Elizabeth Banks. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, okay, Carby, actually, Aisha, I'm, I'm going to Selvig, throw... Justin Hammer, The Can Abomination, I... Betty Ross, <laughs> Trevor Slattery, Cog, I... Meek. Yeah, Trevor Slattery. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor Slattery is not dust. Um, All of the TV characters are dust. <laughs> actually, I... I've got I've got a quick TV character anecdote. Which is before Ooh. the before the film I was talking with Rob Lean, um, another Den of Geek writer who I went to the screening with, and he was telling me how in the current series of Agents of Shield they're in the future, but it's explicitly within the world of the TV show, they've explicitly pointed out they are in a possible future, not the canonical future. <laughs> so they're not even wow. allowed to pretend that they have the canonical <laughs> MCU future. And then when Doctor Strange says, I've looked at every future, we both looked at each other and were like, including the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. one. <laughs> and they're, So they're off in a world where Thanos uh, presumably wins and everyone dies. Can I, can I throw a, a left field suggestion in here that's just, that's occurring to me and kind of fermenting in, in my brain at the moment? Uh, firstly, it's actually an alternative suggestion for the title. Uh, which is that it could just end up being called Avengers 4. Um, no. <laughs> does the possibility... Well, you'll see why I'm saying this in a minute. Does the possibility exist that if whatever happens in the next film is going to involve timelines and histories being rewritten, uh, that this is a possibility to tidy up timelines, potentially write out some characters... And bring in new characters who have seemingly always existed in the MCU all along, by which I mean the Fantastic Four. Uh, I I still uh, Fe- I think I think Feige has said they're many years soon. down the line from doing that, and I think I yeah, believe him. James, people lie about stuff all yeah, the time. I I believe him on this because I don't think he would be pissing on the you know embers of interest especially when it comes to the fantastic four and again again guys let's remember fox do not own the rights to fantastic Four. yeah 
So that's that's the key stumbling block for yeah. me. Uh, James, a stumbling block for your idea. The I just saw this. The season finale of Agents of Shield this year is called the end. So <laughs> so that was Seb's idea. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, May I, know, I, I think we've pretty firmly established that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. doing something does not preclude the movies <laughs> doing something if they want to ignore the fact that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did it. I just don't think they should be using the same title as, uh, as Agents of I, S.H.I.E.L.D. I would like to point out Avengers Forever has the number four in it. Sure. So does Fantastic Four. Fantastic Forever. Of, of, Avengers right. two, Avengers two, Fantastic two, four, two Avengers two, Ultron. <laughs> hey, I've I've said it be- I've said it before. Thor four two gets a lot more in- gets a lot more interesting if well, you well given, uh... given given Thor's significance in in this film and potential significance to the next film, then yeah, I, I can I've, buy that. I've already convinced Avengers. myself that it is Avengers Forever now, having just thought of that in the last uh, half hour. <laughs> So basically, we're going to be disappointed if it's not Avengers Forever and disappointed if it doesn't end with Steve Rogers going back what to... What I would like to say is, if we're both disappointed and that stuff doesn't happen, I will happily write Avengers 5. And he's uh, Avengers the, the, 5 ever. Exactly. The thing we all keep forgetting as well is that Thanos is going to be a villain throughout Avengers 4. So how is that going to work yeah, It as just well? says because... Thanos will return. Yeah, but I... I... I think he'll return when they like head him off, you know, six years in the past and just blow his brains out. It's got to be something more clever than that. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's bring this discussion to a close. Otherwise, we never will. Uh, So that was Avengers Infinity War, which I'm sure... This discussion is going to last an entire year. Don't kid yourself. Yeah, so so we've we've only watched this once each, Mm -hmm. right? No one's seen it more than once yet. And I I really think a lot of my feelings about it are going to change after seeing it a second time. Yeah, I would would definitely like to revisit this one and, uh, and let all of that stuff settle but um yeah it was uh it was quite an experience so let's see what the next year holds for us i rewatched the ant-man and the wasp trailer this afternoon just to see whether there was any more i could glean from it and uh nope there is <laughs> it is as we said at the time a very detailed non-specific <laughs> um so that was avengers infinity war um guys are we doing comic book recommendations here for our listeners, or are we... If you haven't read Infinity Crusade by now, definitely go and read it. I mean, because... Wait, which one's, in, sorry, which one's Infinity Crusade? It's worth pointing out, the film might be called Infinity War, but it is adapting the story Infinity Crusade very loosely. I thought it was, infin- I thought it was Infinity Gauntlet <clears throat> that it was adapting. Is that right? Please let it be right. I, th- I, I think it is. Ooh, maybe it is. <laughs> I mean... It's all coming up, Cunningham. Okay, I'm going to... Yeah, you're right. The trilogy goes Gauntlet, War, Crusade. However... Right, yeah. The story this adapts is actually Thanos Quest, which is the story of Thanos collecting the Gauntlet. Collecting the stones and sending the Gauntlet. Is that the, like, prequel to Gauntlet? Yes. Thanos Quest was, like, the lead-in, and it's about why he's obsessed with the Infinity Stones and how he comes to collect them. I was reading that this film actually has more specifics from that comic than you than you think. Like there is literally a scene at the start where like um, a character crashes into the sanctum and warns that Thanos is coming. The only difference is in the comic it's Silver Surfer and here it's mm-hmm. Hulk, and that 
Strange gets kidnapped by Ebony Moore, and there's there's lots of little details like that, which um, which I, I I guess I'm surprised by. But yeah, I mean, yeah. comic recommendations. I would say Thanos Quest, Infinity Gauntlet, not Infinity War. Don't read Infinity War. It's very bad, extremely bad. Um, and then mo- and most Hick- recently Hickman's they've done Infinity. Yeah. yeah, which is which is the stuff with the Black Order, yeah. right? And I, I would say Crisis on Infinite Earths because, as I say, it, it's the comic that this film felt the most like I mean, to me, even though it's about DC characters. Was Crisis the first big crossover? I was gonna, I was gonna say, I think it wasn't because Secret Wars came first because Secret Wars was eighty four, wasn't it? Secret Wars yeah, was quite Secret early. Yeah, Secret Wars was eighty four. But Secret Wars is a is a big crossover and is is an event story, but also. Um, you know, is is one that's predominantly uh, preoccupied with selling toys. Yeah. Um, I think Crisis more set the template for that type of story, as in it's the big earth-shattering event that everyone comes together for, and some people don't make it alive out of. Um, and there are even kind of some specific story beats that I think, not that I think it directly inspired this specifically. I just think that I think Crisis established doing certain things like, oh, hey, some of these characters have been zapped out of existence because like reality is being rewritten mm-hmm. um, that that have become, you know, kind of tropes for, for the genre uh, that that have found their way into this film as well. So. Okay, fantastic. Well, um, I think we should move on now to our final segment, which is the pitch. Um, and I'm going to use uh, one that someone has sent in on uh, Twitter. This is from uh, Last Film Scene Hang on, on we Twitter. haven't prepared this because we did the title bit earlier, and that you was supposed to be the pitch. Seb, you never do it on the episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Last Film Scene sent this in. Uh, the pitch this week is pitch your ideal credit scene for Avengers 4. So you can have a mid-credit, a post-credit. If you if you want to be James Gunn, you can have six <laughs> sequences. Um, but, but yeah, uh, your end-credit sequences for Avengers 4, which I, I think is really fun because it's not just what's going to happen in that movie. It's mm-hmm. how, do, how do you... How do you set up, tease, hints at what's to come after this monumental event that's going to feel like an end in its own right? <laughs> I know, I know my answer. Yeah, I know my answer. So <laughs> let's uh, let's see what let's see what you guys come up with uh, next week on the mini side. Oh, I want to do it now. <laughs> well, you can't, James. <laughs> It'll be more fun when you've forgotten and only remembered <laughs> on the mini side when Seb has just pitched the I'm exact same write thing it and beaten you to it. <laughs> I'm writing it now. <laughs> Oh, what, like on Countdown, so if I get to go first, you get to show Joe the piece of paper. Yep. So, yeah, show me show me your workings. <laughs> okay, uh, but that's it for this week's show. Hopefully you've enjoyed our epic dive into Infinity War. I'm not sure we've ever talked about a movie for that long, because the <laughs> this this episode is real long, and we didn't do any feed-in either. Well, like nearly no. at three hours. Jesus Christ. Okay, um, if you're enjoying the show, then please do subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast app of choice. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe. Two people to thank um, this week. Oh, I would like to thank Ben Kleinard and Kyle Brackman. Amazing. Yeah, um, if you uh, would like to find more episodes of the show, then you can find those at cinematicuniverse.com. You can get in touch via pa- Facebook, on Twitter, at cine underscore verse, 
or send us an email to editorial at cinematicuniverse.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Lives up to the hype, plus plus. Fuck it, they probably won't even make a three. Yeah, why would they? Stop at two. You killed it. Cinematic Universe returns in two weeks' time with Deadpool 2. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.